It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. So where's the office back at Division? In the office, baby. Going up. Well, I don't care if it's pouring. I never get tired of it. Maybe my <laughs> legacy of getting that into the intro every Friday. Like, that may be it for me. Uh, oh, not predicting yeah. that Denver would hire Peyton Manning, but that. Jensen Lewis on the bullpen phone. Ice on vacation. CB back at the controls. We are presented by your local Pella Window and Door showroom on Jevonai Parkway. J. Lou, how you feeling, buddy? Uh, we're we're getting through the raindrops up here, man. Uh, celebrating. I was talking to CB before we came on. Celebrate a little four game sweep. Uh, how about mm-hmm. this? Just a little nugget for you to get going here. So the Indians complete a four game sweep. By the way, we have no rotation uh, <laughs> outside of uh, Aaron Savali, who has been bubble wrapped and uh, is under lock and key to get him to and from every single game. So we have at least one guy who can go five six mm-hmm. innings. We swept Baltimore. Uh, for the first time in a four-game series since 1988. Now, why is that significant? Uh, it is significant because that is the year that Baltimore lost over 100 games. But more importantly, they began the year 0-21. <laughs> yes, they've surpassed. 0-21. Yeah, these, uh, it's a bad team, obviously. and the fact that, But you'll take every win you can get, right? You're not going to yes. apologize. No. In Major League Baseball. I'm trying to think. So you said late 80s? 88. And um, yeah, the other dubious part of this. Who's on that? Julio, who's on that? Yes, yeah, so you, uh, you had the Ripken brothers. You had Eddie Murray. Yeah. Um, Maybe a God, Joe I Carter. I think their top, I think their ace was 6 and 15. Mm. Their number one starter was 6 and 15 that year, I believe. Mm. Um, and oh, by the way, uh, Baltimore has now lost uh, 19 consecutive road games. Yeah. Bad news, dude. You got to feast on those bad teams, right? I mean, if you're rolling, we don't like to wager on this show, but if you're rolling $100 over Mm -hmm. one Chris Benjamin, Mm -hmm. if you happen to be rolling it over from start to the current 19 game losing streak, you'd be up, I think, $1,330. Only. If only. If only Uh, we knew. Yeah. We had a wild one that we'll get to later on the show the Reds and Pods, man. That was ridiculous. And I get, it does feed into the Reds fans' biggest fears about the pen, but still was an amazing game. We'll get to that. Uh, we have a big recruit on campus for Ohio State. Uh, former Buckeye Kirk Barton, Buckeye Scoop, will join us at twelve thirty-three. He was kind. He was live streaming the event at John Glenn International. Love it. Kind of fun for people. So we'll find out what he feels about the impressions they made on that kid when they rolled out the scarlet carpet at the airport yesterday. Better have got his sightseeing in early today because it's pouring out here. Gosh. Uh, we'll have him on at 1233, Kirk Barton. We'll talk uh, Baker extension. He, I know he's said all the right things, but we'll do that 1 o'clock on whether he deserves to get paid or whether the Browns, you know, heavy analytics say no, but we'll find out if they want to get a discount here on Baker while they're getting as good. We'll see. Jason Hershorn, NFL SB Nation, 133. Uh, we'll do our foreign substance tour with you. Uh, as I texted a another former big leaguer friend of mine, and I said, what do you think? And his, his text back was, I don't know, sticky situation. 
<laughs> I have an idea who that might be. Right. But yes, I, I would. Yeah. I would be. Uh, I would no, be intrigued. I think it was to hear no his... comment, sticky situation. <laughs> I thought, okay, you win. Text of the day. That's for sure. Yes. There you um, go. What else is going? on? I heard that you know the guys Eric and Chops before us, and Chops kind of did a kind of throwaway comment at the end about Father's Day and. Oh, he doesn't have to get his dad a card because his dad didn't care about cards. And I'm going to call him out on that. I bet his dad would like a nice greeting card every now and then. And the sentiment of a greeting card, I know they're crazy expensive now. And people have gone, my brother's gone to the e-card exclusively. I don't know whether he has a wow. subscription or what. But now the e-cards are pretty cool. The last birthday card he sent me was personalized. and It was Shaq, like saying my name for all sorts of stuff and wearing the T-shirt that had my name on really? it. Yeah, but oh. obviously that's computer generated. And yeah. And they they make Shaq go through all these funny little things. It was it was good. It was a good card. It was a good card. But I think that he's in that age of I'm not buying cards anymore. They're too expensive. It's a pain to send them. Make sure they're on time. When I can just send an e card. Where do you stand? Um, I always give my mom flowers for Valentine's Day and uh, for Mother's Day. Uh, longstanding J. Lou tradition there. Uh, my pops, yeah, I think we're at that age now where cards are um, bottles of bourbon or whiskey, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you can kind of uh, remember the mm-hmm. years uh, each passing Father's Day by the specific bottle you get. So um, I had to uh, do a little early uh, early purchase uh, for this one for my yeah. for my pops. Uh, I'm very very excited for uh, his reaction when he sees what he's getting. So um, yeah, car. I've I've never been a big card guy. I'll, I'll yeah, I never have been. So I'll, uh, maybe right. my bad on that one. Ar. So I'll, no, I'll clean no, that hey, it's all good, man. If it works for you and it works for him, but yes, it's it's tough when you see that five six dollar card in the waste basket the next day. Yeah, that's yeah. always a, that's always a tough one. I mean, at least the flower, the roses are going to last about a week. Yeah. Now, I keep all the cards. So my, my parents always get me for my birthday. Um, I, I, I have all of my living room. I keep, I keep my cards up. So in my kitchen as well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've got them from years back. So I don't know if, that's, I guess I don't know if it, that stands for anything. That stands for something. It does. Okay. I'm not sure what yet. But most people okay. believe it's a scam, the whole card thing and the price <laughs> thing on it. Inventing holidays. But Father's Day has not been invented. No. Like this is this is a this is a fairly big one. Dads do yep. get kind of play second fiddle, and they're glad to play second fiddle a lot of the time. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think my present to my dad's going to be trying to get his eighteen-year-old uh, car started. I already called my boys out of Jermaine Honda. I said, "Hey, I need to borrow some jumper cables or a portable battery charger." Uh, my dad hasn't driven his car in a long time, and okay. it's picture Reggie Hammond's car, forty-eight hours. Uh, I, that may have just flown over most people's heads, uh, minus the 300,000 in the trunk. Uh, that's the car. That's probably it. That's just eight layers of dust. Car has been driven about five, six months. And my gift to him is going to be to get it started. So he doesn't know that yet. It's not a good gift, but it's one that I'll package up anyway. Did that, did the Reggie Hammond, did the Reggie Hammond reference go over your head? Cause if it went over your head, I'm in real trouble today. Well, if I'm correct, it's Eddie Murphy, right? That's right. Am I correct on yes, that? Yes, you and are. I cannot, I cannot remember right. uh, what movie. It's all right. Uh, the new sheriff in town. His name is Roger Hammond. Y'all be cool. For, right was on. it 48 hours? That's right. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Yes. Got it. We're all on right. it. We're on it now. Now that's now we're on to something. Now, you, now <laughs> we're getting nowhere. That's pretty good. All right. CB, Reggie Hammond. No, All no right. chance. All right. No, wow. no chance. All right. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's a that'd be a millennial yeah, response right there, CB. Just got back from the nude beach. 
because CB <laughs> rarely wears underwear, and when he does, it's usually something unusual. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. That's TMI, is it not, or are we still okay there? <laughs> that went over your head, too. That's another quote. All right, I'm done for the day. I've, okay. I've met my quota on quota. movie quotes in the first segment. I'm batting 500. So, yeah, I'll take you're, that. You're batting 500. That, that's absolutely right. Um the uh, the game last night was pretty good between the Bucks and the Nets. It went as predicted. So here was my take on it the other day. Um, before we get to all the Giannis free throw motions and everything that Harden seemed to throw his hands up in the air and say, I'm done with this dude. Um, I said that the Bucks would win game six, but I didn't want to make that bet. Uh, I think they were laying five and a half. I think Maddie and I both said, yeah, we, we definitely lay the points. Yeah. But my my value play, I thought, was taking the Nets at like plus 190 before game six mm. to mm-hmm. win in seven games. Yeah. To win 4-3. And so now yep. what that does is it opens up to taking the Bucks in game seven with the points and trying to win to it and win both. Because yeah. now I'd have the Nets on the money line just to win the game, and I'd have the Bucks right. getting points, so I'd have a window. Do we know what the spread on game seven is, CB, yet? Stand by. I don't have it yet. All right. Yeah, you don't get have it yet. It's all right. When is game seven? Saturday night? Sunday, we got to skip a day. Yeah, well, it's going back to New Jersey, so it has to be. uh, Let's check it out. No, Saturday night, Saturday night special, eight thirty at the Barclays Center. It is one Brooklyn minus one. That's it. Yes. Okay, then they believe in yeah. Because I've heard dudes, um, I've heard guys say on ESPN that they actually like the Bucks to win Game Seven. They certainly can. They should have won the game prior to this. That the KD went off, and I'm not taking away from him, but certainly that was a game that you got to win when you're up 17 midway third. But we see, look at the Sixers. I mean, collapses everywhere in the NBA. Uh, yes, yes. And maybe it's built for collapses. Maybe that's what it is. It's, you know, the shot clock and just shoot. You know, a lot of dudes can shoot it and bomb threes, and the defense is always a little hit or miss. But this is the playoffs, so you think they'd be able to man up. But. Man, we've had a big collapse. But I wanted to get to the uh, the Giannis situation. I don't know if you saw this. So Giannis goes through his motions at the free throw line. He goes through his mental motion on on taking the shot. He does it twice, and I guess they don't put him on the clock until the ref hands him the ball. And the ref is standing there with the ball, and he's watching him do this. And I don't blame Giannis for this. If the ref doesn't throw me the ball, then I'm going to go through whatever mental pre-shot routine I want to go through. And then Giannis Mm -hmm. finally said, okay, give me the ball. And Harden kind of threw his hands in the air and stepped off the free throw line. And yeah, I can imagine it's frustrating. This dude's a pro to watch him go through this mental routine without the basketball. But I don't know what the rule is. It's got to be subjective, J. Lou, on when the ref bounces him the ball. It's not his fault. Sure. Uh Gosh, I mean, it, we watch, and I'll just put it in present mm-hmm. day terms. So we watch James Karinchak get up in the second inning every day and do dry reps off the mound. And and for for some of the media in the press box that haven't seen it before, they're like, "Why is Karinchak up in the second inning? Like he does this all the time. He, you know, he just goes through, does the motion. Kershaw would do this, you know, before his bullpens. And I get it; it's not during the game, but a lot of these guys." Because they they want to try and take their mind out of it, <clears throat> they want to have that that muscle memory. Um, I mean, I can remember even in high school, just kind of going through at least one, just to kind of feel it uh, and see mm-hmm. it. And and some of these some of these athletes are good. I mean, how can you get on? How can you get on Giannis? I mean, this is part of his routine. Uh, we have many other guys that take a, a an inordinate amount of time to get a free throw going. 
uh, Rob Manfred would be pulling his hair his hair out for pace of play. Um, <clears throat> so I don't I I can't really back James Harden's reaction because Giannis, an MVP guy, he he's a heart and soul of that team. He's one of the stars of the league. You're gonna have to let him do what he does. I mean, do people get on LeBron for trying to win an Oscar? You know, for the mm-hmm. phantom hit, and then acting like you know he got ran over by a truck. I mean, no one no one really you know gives him too much on that. So I can't I cannot get on on Giannis for going through something that allows him to be successful. He's had issues in the past. Um, you know, I mean, if Ben Simmons is on line one, you know, maybe mm-hmm. he can get some help for that. So I can't I can't back James Harden for that. I, I would qualify it as a childish reaction. Yeah, I mean, listen, Giannis sucks. That he's been bad at the free throw line. He's like fifty some odd percent in the postseason. So he's going to do whatever. He's going to take whatever leash they give him. Yeah. at the line. So if, if Harden's got a problem, it's probably with then it's got to be with the ref. Bounce him the ball, then put him on the ten second clock, and let's be done with it. Anyway, they were up eight with nine to go, and you thought, okay, well, if they blow this game, then obviously the series is over. Uh, they manned up a little. Middleton was great. I mean, Middleton was fantastic. This is a dude that wasn't very good in the game five loss to the Nets uh, when he was jacking up everything and missing. But in game six, he was ready, man. Career high, 38, 10 boards. So he's 38, 10, and five. And you know, I certainly, if Vegas is giving the Bucks a fighting chance, I do. I actually am rooting for Milwaukee. I'd love to see them rescue this season. I think Brooklyn certainly was my pick if they had all three dudes at 100%, which they don't. So no Kyrie and Harden is is good, but he's not great right now. And certainly KD was going to have to follow up one of the best games of his career. And he did. I mean, he he played well towards the end, but he really wasn't a factor at the end. Um, it wasn't his fault. I mean, dudes on his team were fumbling the ball away. I think he had one drive and slam in the last you know nine minutes of the game. So they took him out of his game enough and Giannis went to the rack Giannis was hitting the offensive glass the 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 put back slam right in green's face oh, that put him yeah. up 19 with six yep. to go that was emphatic and so now they win going away game six it sets up for a nice one but uh my money's on the nets my mind is on milwaukee i um i think i told you this uh, weeks ago uh, back in january uh, I had uh, called my my buddies at the Southern Tip of Nevada, and I got the Jazz at twenty to one to win the NBA title. Um, now without Kawhi, um, it, at one point I was thinking, all right, you know, do I do I try and middle this? Do I just bet Clippers money line and and just kind of ride it out? Um, because I think Phoenix, depending on the Chris Paul situation, is now vulnerable because he's been so important to what they do. So obviously, with the Clippers up at home three uh, two, going into what they play tonight, uh, play late tonight. I don't know. What do you think? Going back Clippers I'm, money line just in case, right? Yeah, I would. I would think so. I, I mean, it's right. I mean, it's right. It's it's a bucket right now. So yeah, you take them on the money line. I wouldn't mess right. around with with that and or, or buy it down to a point and a half or whatever you want to do. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it uh, you know, and I can't profess to be someone that's glued into the Jazz Clippers series. I've been really into uh the uh the Milwaukee and Nets series. So sure. mm-hmm. you know, until we get there. But I'll I'll give you something a little bit on LeBron when we come back. Uh, Urban Meyer on his team and it seems like like the summer of Tebow has kind of quieted down a little bit. Yeah. But we'll get a little more reaction to that. As we move along, off and running here on a Friday, Rothman and Ice on the fan. The first thing you hear every morning should be Bobby Carpenter yelling at you. Burn 
chirping is overrated. Morning juice. Weekday mornings at 6. The fan. Smarter than your average sports show. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. The all-new 2022 Civic is at your main Honda of Dublin. And they've got fresh inventory rolling in every day as they replenish. Also, great inventory of all the certified Hondas. Talked to Jerry over there in pre-owned this morning. And so, if you're looking for your next certified Honda, Jerry's the guy to see. I, You know, I earmarked that. <clears throat> they, they actually got in on a trade, a 2015 Mustang convertible GT Premium 5.0. Racked up, down so your hair can blow. And only 33,000 miles. And I asked him to discount that for a listener, for sure. If Maddie's not going to go swoop in on that, then someone's got to get it. And he said, I will. I will. Somebody comes in here and say they heard it on your show, then I will discount it. It'll be a kind of a special deal. But GermainHondaOfDublin.com is the place to go for your next Honda and perhaps your next diamond in the rough, which apparently they have in that Mustang. So check them out. Talk to Jerry and Preone. Talk to Marcello and his team over in New. And they will hook you up. 6715 Sawmill Road, Dublin. Go get it. All right. Urban Meyer was on 10TV. And it's kind of been a, a quieting down now of the Tebow thing. And I think Urban's done a pretty good job of quieting this himself, which is, hey, it's one day out of a million practices. Who knows if he'll make the team. Um, like, he's not going all in on him yet. And But the reality of his position, J. Lou, is certainly being a head coach in the NFL now after all of his success in college. And if you think about Jacksonville coming off 1-15 and 15 and 6-10 and 10 and 5-11, and 11, and yes, they had that nice year where they won a couple of rounds and went to the AFC title game and actually gave the Patriots all they could handle yeah, on the yeah, road. They I mean, they were, they were a, I got to go back and see like that last drive or like they were down like four, I think, in the final few minutes but anyway they've been wallowing in you know two and 14s and three and 13s and all that and everybody is asking him the same question um now that you have a team that's not predicted to do much or make the playoffs how do you deal with that or how do you even approach it that's going to be something that um you're gonna have to you know i don't want to say get used to because you won't but it's reality what you said is the whole league is designed to go eight and eight and uh, i just took over a team that won one in 15 so Reality is going to set in, but we're going to try to win every game we play. So I think it's a great answer. I mean, they, you get on a lot of like coaches and GMs, and we had it here with the Blue Jackets where I think Yarmo Kekalainen was asked about the expectations of this year's team, and he's like, the expectations that we pl- try to play for a Stanley Cup. Like, we're not going to suddenly say, because I think in the opposite, you get crushed for that. Like, yeah. like mm-hmm. so that's why Urban had to kind of balance that. And he goes, yeah, the reality is I'm taking over a 1-15 team. He's smart. He knows. He gets it. But it's also the reason that the job was very good for him, right? Because if they weren't getting the top pick, do you think he takes the job? you think if Minshew is the quarterback Mm. and he gets the exact same offer he was offered? Let's say Jackson. Let's say, let's say, I don't even know how to, what hypothetical I I could give you. Let's say a coach moved on to another job Mm -hmm. or retired or whatever. Let's say Doug Marone moved on after that title game, for some reason, or had to step aside like Urban did, let's say health reasons, and Urban gets offered the job for 2018, coming off 10-6. and six. Obviously, it's a job he might want to take because he has a winning football team, but if he's coming off 5-11 and 11 with no top pick, 
and he can't get Lawrence, you think he takes it? I don't think so, just because, I mean, you feel as though the, the table is set, if you will, for him uh, to, to mold it to, uh, you know, all the, all the buzzwords and cliches, you know, create a culture and, and do things his way. And, and let's also look at that division now, okay? So we just still don't know what Deshaun Watson's situation is going to mm-hmm. be in Houston. We obviously have Carson Wentz coming over, reuniting with Frank Reich uh, in Indianapolis. We know they're going to be solid. Uh, what you have uh, with Tannehill and, and now Julio Jones coming over mm-hmm. uh, for the Tennessee Titans, you would assume that they are they are the favorites at this point to, to win that division. But still, AR, if, if you're in the AFC and you're looking at it, you know the big four, and I think we've talked about this before with Kansas City and Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, and then if you want to throw, I mean... If you want to, yeah, obviously Buffalo's in mm-hmm. there. Um, so those are the big four, and then and then there's some room for upward uh, mobility, and and you don't have to win this year, right? You don't have to. You need to get your system in. You need to get the identity of your team and how things are going to operate, and he can do that because there's no expectation for this year. It's we want to see the new toys. We want to see you know how Lawrence does this year. Get it. Get a year under his belt. Let's develop the system that you want. And then next year you start thinking about okay, we we got an opportunity to to make some things happen. Anything you do this year is a bonus. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I, any other situation, if you go to the NFC, what's really difficult, you know, with with how packed up at the top the the talent is in, in that conference. I think he's. It's weird because he actually has. Uh, I mean, outside of, I mean, certainly defense, we don't know. But as far as like what he may be looking at here with Lawrence, so all of a rookie in Lawrence or a rookie in ETN, he's got James Robinson. That's what made ETN drafting all kind of strange. But, you know, he feels like he can ham and egg that thing together. Shark, Chenault, Marvin Jones now. Um, he's got the former Buckeye and Luke Farrell at tight end. Um, potentially Tim Tebow and whatever he. He can bring. I mean, I really actually want him to make the team because I really am interested to see how he uses him, if at all. Like, yeah, I I really do actually want him to make the team. Gimmick or not, I want him to make the team. Um, Yeah, their defense is going to be a problem. But they start out at Houston, and that's a disaster right now. And then they play Denver at home. And certainly if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go there, I mean, Teddy B is legit. But if Locke wins the job, who knows? Um, week three, he'll lose to Arizona. Week four, they play at Cincinnati. You, you hope Cincinnati could beat them, but that's not a uh, – it's a Thursday nighter, actually. Is it not, CB? Is it Jacksonville at Cincinnati a Thursday nighter? I believe it is, yeah. yeah. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. You got, at least it could I be mean, compelling. You, Urban Meyer do you back roll the dice? Do you roll the dice in Survivor and take the Bengals short week if Burrow's healthy? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, presumably he, he'll be healthy week one, but my point is that Urban Meyer will have to go up against the dude. He said, I can't tell you if you're my starter or not. Yeah, right? Like, think how classic it is. <laughs> not that he hasn't been his biggest fan up to this point, and he had a very good quarterback that he could lean on during the Burrow battle with Haskins. But I, that, to me, like, I wonder if Joe Burrow, in a very private moment, is like, yeah, that, I, I didn't start for that guy. And then I went on to win a Heisman and a national title, and now I'm going to be playing against him in the NFL. There's got to be a little motivation, yeah. like competitive yep. motivation, not like hatred. I'm just talking about like some, you know, deep down where, you know, athletes live. There's got to be something there. Tennessee, they'll lose. 
Miami games in London. You'd have to think the Dolphins will be better than them. Uh, Seattle, they'll lose. Buffalo, they'll lose. Indy, they'll lose. Um, San Fran, they would lose. Atlanta, they might be able to beat them. Uh, L.A., they'd probably lose. Play Tennessee again. Houston, the Jets, New England, Indy. Um, what are we seeing? Maybe five? Five, five and 12? Six five. and 11? Right around I mean, there? I think five is pretty, I think that'd be, pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, I think they could be better than that. They get so, off to the they get off to the start that I think they could, and they steal a couple wins out of the gate. Maybe not even steal, just win a couple games out of the gate. Then I think they could be a they could be a seven and ten football team. So because we are wagering enthusiasts, I already have some futures uh, in the NFL. Yes, I took the Jags to win the AFC South at twelve to one for some. Oh pizza come money. on! <laughs> at what odds? At twelve to one. That's that's. The, did you light? Uh, we can light the money on fire. It'll be faster. <laughs> like if you want a slow death, that's fine. Oh, it's the, see now you're you're the same person that probably said the San Francisco Giants aren't winning the. You NL just West. told me about Tennessee and Indy, two eleven win teams, and you just took a one win team to win the yeah. division. I, I do have At the twelve Titans, to one. I would need a hundred and twenty to one. I do have the Titans and the Colts to win the Super Bowl. Titans oh, no. at thirty-five right. to one, Colts at twenty-eight to one. We'll take a break. Uh, Kirk Barton joins us next, former Buckeye, <laughs> and we'll talk about the visit from Big JTT. Is he down with Ohio State? We'll find out next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If you consider yourself a Buckeye fan, you've come to the right place. This is your Heritage Sports Talker and home of Ohio State athletics. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Sports talk, well done. Just like Matty enjoys his steak. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Rothman and Ice back with you. Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis in for the Iceman today. And on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems fan guest hotline, the former All-American himself, mm-hmm. big fella on that line, mm-hmm. who didn't have to fly in for a recruiting visit <laughs> from Maslin. He is Kirk Barton, Buckeye Scoop. Good to have you, Kirk. You know, they actually sent me a Greyhound ticket. It was snail mail. So I did not get the royal treatment like uh, JT2 and Maloa did. So, But the Greyhound was nice. They did send me some Ritz crackers and a, a Crystal Springs water to drink. So that was nice. I wonder, yeah, and I'm wondering if all of us in the media, because I covered you, did we show up at the Greyhound station wearing, I don't even know what we would be wearing, not Hawaiian Ohio State shirts, but um, I don't even know what would have impressed you, but... Uh, yeah, we probably didn't show up at the bus station to greet you like uh, you and a contingent of people did at John Glenn for this kid out of Washington State, big defensive end, number one prospect, uh, JT Tuamaloau. Let me ask you this. What were your impressions of the turnout by Ohio State coaches, and what do you think this kid's impressions of them were when he saw it? You know, I... I loved it. I thought it, it really showed some creativity by Ryan Day and his staff. Uh, you know, the whole defensive staff was there. A lot of the the, you know, the the support staff were there. They all had matching Tommy Bahama Hawaiian shirts, which, of course, because, you know, Buckeye Nation is the best. They sold out literally within 20 minutes. We found the shirts on uh, Fanatics, and literally they sold out, like, instantly. Everybody on Ohio State, you know, our message board bought them all because that's how, that's how we roll with Ohio State. But, you know, I thought it was cool. You know, they, they had the the the, you know, the lays, the little flower arrangements, and you know, they, 
it, you know, it's one, well, that kind of stuff, you have the strength in numbers and, you know, the police have scored and, you know, the, the, the media being there, which, you know, that was, you know, they didn't exactly, you know, they actually wanted it to look like a TMZ thing. So it wasn't like we were breaking any laws. The coaches were all like, give us a thumbs up and kind of, you know, they're chuckling at us because we're all there, but it was great content, man. I've never seen an airport arrival in the history of Ohio State football look like that. And I'm just glad I was able to cover it and, and show the fan base how hard these are working at recruiting a kid like this. Kirk Hayes Jensen, um, I, when you look at just the list of schools uh, that he's going to pick from, of course, he can basically go wherever he wants. Obviously, with Ohio State in there, Alabama, Oregon, Washington, and USC, uh, no surprise that uh, those Pac-12 schools out there being you know, where he's from. I, what I'm just trying to wrap my head around is that when you put this guy's recruiting rank, I mean, it, it, the, sp- the specificity of it at point – Nine 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 zero. The composite rating. He's the twenty fourth highest rated recruit since two thousand one. That ties him with Miles Garrett and Matt Barkley. I mean, that's a pretty heady company. Uh, it, when you look at him football wise, uh, you know he's a he's a physical specimen. He's six four two seventy seven. Is there anything specifically that stands out to you about his presence now, seeing him in the flesh, that makes you go, "Wow, yeah, he's he's definitely in that rare air already." I think his, you know, his physical development from his age, you know, his height, his length, uh, and really it's, there's a lot of big guys that are walking around that look like him, but they don't have anywhere near the athleticism he has. You know, you watch him play basketball, and you know, he, he plays you know, almost like a shooting guard, small forward. He plays the perimeter, and most kids that big are playing in the post. You know, they're, they're back-to-the-basket kind of guys, but this guy can cross guys up, and you know, you see that, that true athleticism. Then, you know, you, you watch him run routes as a tight end and a receiver, and you're just like, it's almost not even fair. It's like Ryan Madden, he's like humongous, and then you give him 99 speed, too. That's that's what this kid is. So you put all that together, and you put him at defensive end across from Jack Story, and you literally have a 10-star defensive end pairing. You know, two five-stars on each side, and that's ferocious, and it's honestly terrifying if you're an offensive tackle, and I'm glad that, I just get to do radio shows now that I'm not playing at these guys anymore. <laughs> yeah. Kirk Barton with us, BuckeyeScoop.com. Uh, had the viral video yesterday streaming live, uh, JTT's visit to Ohio State, which obviously is a, is big in its own right, isn't it, Kirk? Because he, I think he camped at Bama during his sophomore year. That's when he got the offer. Uh, he's gone to the West Coast schools, Oregon and Washington and USC. His family certainly has visited the West Coast schools with him because it's easier. I don't think his family went to Bama. I'm not positive on that. And I don't think his family's with him this visit. But he obviously waited until he could visit Ohio State because the pandemic when everything was shut down. So the fact that he waited, because that he actually wanted to see Columbus and Ohio State, um, how big of an edge do you give that? I, I I think that right now we're the leader. Um, I think it's a two horse race between us and Bama. He did he did have some family members with him because uh, I saw them you know with the coaches kind of arm in arm you know talking and getting the hugs and all that, mm-hmm. and getting the little lays around the neck. So, but I I think that it's it's huge for us that he delayed it because he wanted to see Columbus. He wanted to be um, they're kind of around the players. You know, he's best friends with Emeka Abuka, who's you know in the same class, and he enrolled early. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I really like about Ohio State. I mean, Larry Johnson, you know, I, I had a great moment yesterday where uh, someone on my chat on my live stream said, hey, what kind of shoes is Larry Johnson wearing? And he was standing in front of me and said, Coach Johnson, what kind of shoes you got? And he came walking over and 
he's like, oh, I got these. And he, like, showed him. He's like, yeah, I don't have to tie them. I sit this button, and they tie themselves. They're Nike. And Coach Jay is, like, just an amazing guy. Like, if you're, you know, out of any position coach in the country, he's probably the, the kid I'd want to uh, – he's the guy I'd want my kid to play for. Because he's just that kind of a guy, that kind of a technician. And he's a great man. And Ryan Day is the same way. Like, Ryan Day is a ferocious recruiter, but he's also a great person. So, yeah, he, he does a lot of great things behind the scenes people don't see. And between those two and, and, and Emeka being here, his best friend, like, I, I really like where Ohio State is sitting right now. Kirk, so if uh, JTT, let's, let's play the hypothetical game. You know, let's say he signs and, and commits here. <clears throat> You'd have Sawyer, JTT, Abuka, Kyle McCord, uh, Travion Henderson, and Donovan Jackson. Um, I mean, all five-star guys. Do you put that as the the best recruiting class that's that's come through here in the modern day era, as far as Ohio State football goes? It it has to be up there. I mean, we get JTT, I and mean, we get those two defensive ends. Man. Those are, you know, we've had the Bosa's, we had Chase Young, but you know, getting two of those guys in the same class is something that we've never done before. You know, we've had and we've had great players here, but. You know, it's, it's a different level now with Ryan Day and this coaching staff and where the program's at in terms of, you know, our recruiting. So, I mean, you got to remember, next year we have the number one kid ever in the history of recruiting. He's literally 100%, you know, Quinn Ewers. So, we've got, you know, it, it ain't getting any slower for, for Buckeye Scoop. So, I mean, I'm telling you, we got, we got some horses coming in. And I think getting those two defensive ends, this might be as good of a class as we've ever had because, and that could be, I mean, you saw him in the spring game. He looks like he's a third-year junior getting ready to go to yeah. the NFL, and he's only a yeah. freshman. I mean, you see some of these guys, and you can't believe the development, the skill. Um, you know, I think personal training has come a long way, you know, in the last 20 years. And these guys are ready to go when they get here, and, and that wasn't the case, you know, 20 years ago. Well done, Kirk Barton, our friend from BuckeyeScoop.com. Check out all of their reporting, especially on the visit this weekend from – the big defensive end out of the state of Washington. Be well, Kirk. Thanks for jumping on, my, Thanks, my friend. Kirk. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate Anthony and, and Jensen. You're awesome. You're a good tribe. Big tribe fan. So appreciate, appreciate it, bud. Well done, big guy. Appreciate it. He had a great video yesterday. Just a great video of being able to tune into that. CB like that? jumped on and said, hey, there's a, a viral video going on now. They're streaming <laughs> the kid's visit to the airport. It was like a scene out of Johnny B. Good. That one went way over both of your heads. Oh my god! I, I thought you were done. I, I thought I, you were done. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> that's, that's that's. By the way, kind of a very unsung sports recruiting movie. I'm going to say from like '82 somewhere in that area. Uh, CB, ever heard of it? Johnny, be good. I've heard of it, but I've never okay. seen it. All right. My, I'll add my, that to the list. Yeah, I don't know where it is on the list, but uh, we'll do our over unders next. Already disputing the results from last week, but oh, uh, we got it. Yeah, because I went undefeated the previous week, and then somehow, you know, it got lost in the shuffle. CB on vacation, and then all of a sudden, I get a horrible record. Uh, I don't know. Oh boy, I'm contesting. We got to get Deloitte and Deloitte and Touche on the on the phone. <laughs> Over unders next. Play along. Rothman and Ice on the fan. In case you haven't noticed, we have a thing about hiring former Buckeye linebackers. If we don't, they'll kill us. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Weekdays from nine to noon. The fan. Rothman and Ice present Overs and Unders. All right, CB, read them and weep. Yeah, so I had you down for one and four last week. Ouch. And Matt went two and three. Ouch. Oh. Yeah, Bodie said. I don't know if that information got to you correctly. Go ahead. Well, I was listening to it, and Bodie said some really good uh-huh. lines, so I'll give it to him. Listening to it while on the beach, <laughs> on a nude beach. <laughs> 
All right. Go so ahead. our first line today is going to be the U.S. Open champion. I am going to set mm. it at over, under, eight and a half, under par. Mm. All right. So, A.R., I mean, a mm. resident specialist here on this. At the beginning of this, I was going to say five or six mm-hmm. under get you there. Mm-hmm. So, I'm to me, this would be a high number for me. Uh, if if I'm looking at, and I, and I didn't do a lot of, of homework on, on Torrey Pines before the show, but I said five or six, I'll take the under, just because I think that number's high. So it'd have to get to nine for us to lose. Um, I thought this was going to protect par a little better than it has. It's crazy long, and the rough around the greens is awful if you miss it. But And I thought these guys would have to hit three wood off the tee a lot, on these par fours just to keep it in the fairway because they're so dry and fast. You don't want them to run out, and then you'd have longer approaches, and we'd have something that at, at best, at best, I thought it would be five under, at best. And now that you have a dude in Russell Henley at four, and you got Louie at three, and Romer at two, Brooks at two, Xander at two, still a long way to go to get to nine. And... I'm going to say that they're not going to be happy with these scores being that low, and they're going to have to tuck some pins and do whatever they can to protect par. So let's. I'm going to err on the side of, I think, the underdog now, which okay. is under. So let's just hope the winner's eight under and we win the bet. So I'll stay yep. under with you. All right. Saturday, you have the Reds and Padres. You have Vladimir Gutierrez on the mound for the Reds. I want to know over under five and a half strikeouts for him. Against the Pods? That's right. All right. So, Goody at five and a half. It's not a crazy number because he hit six and seven the other days. Um, I'm thinking a Pods team that, you know, they're not a huge strikeout team. I think in the NL, they're like 10th out of 15. Uh, their, their OBP is 313. Goody's had three and three in his last couple. So, so you're going six, seven, three, three, and your over under is five and a half Ks. I'm going to say it's going to be tough to strike out six Padres this time around, so give me the under. Everything in me screams over, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Um, it, with it, We love trends. I mean, uh, trends don't pay the rent. I get that. Um, the way that the Padres have been swinging the bat, and especially coming off a series in Coors Field, um, I'm going to say this is a breakout start mm-hmm. for Goody. And uh, at a position there where uh, I, I, Vegas is begging you to take the under here, uh, I will I will be the underdog in this bet. I will I will take over. I think six is the number. I think he lands right on six. I thought he just had his breakout. I think this is more of a, a stage setter for him, especially against one of the best offenses in the league. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like his stuff plays again first time around. Uh, seeing a, a guy advantage pitcher, so I'll, I'll go on. I'll go on that side, and I, I think he gets six. All right, game seven coming up tomorrow. I want to know for Kevin Durant over under thirty two and a half points. I love that number. I, I really do, and I think it's the right number. And and <laughs> savviness being uh, what it will be with the total. I think what's the total like two fifteen something like that. Uh, um, I don't know. I will check. Okay, I think it's I think it's right around there. Um. Here's what I here's what I like about KD and and Giannis saying you know what I'm I'm going to take him I'm going to do what I got to do it's it's winner take all what have we seen traditionally in Game Sevens uh, the stars come out to play uh, I, I could see this going extra time I could see this going to OT uh, so I'll take mm-hmm. the over but I, I love that number 
He's back home. He's only hit the over on that number one time in the series. But he's gotten really, really close. Mm -hmm. So he's gone 32-49, 28-30, 32-29. So he's right around there. But it's only gone over once in the Epic game. But he's brushed up against it twice at 32. So CB no dummy throwing out that line. Um, He's only gone, and he went over 32 twice in the previous series. I just have a feeling that you just have to finally make someone else beat you. Maybe Milwaukee's finally learned their lesson that they okay. run the double teams at him. They've been like very that. hit and miss on that. Yep. And so I'm going to err on the side. He still has a great game, but I'm going to go under. Okay. All right. The Tribe will take on the Pirates this weekend for a three-game set. I want to know over under 17 and a half runs across all three games. Oh. Woody Indians. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so I'll let you leave it off because you're yeah, the expert. The, uh, the Pirates are it's, they're a terrible offense. They're a terrible offense. Yeah, right? Tell me about it. I own their closer, um, who, by the way, gets paid to, to do nothing. <laughs> right, exactly. Cushy job. It's Peyton Manning's My backup. Goodness. They closer. throw him in in losing games just to get him some work. <laughs> That's right. Um, as someone who's given up a homer uh, in PNC Park, uh, that that can mm-hmm. be a a very uh, <laughs> sneaky runs place. Um, I don't know if we get the game in tomorrow. Uh, I can give you a little uh, a loophole. I can give you a little uh, advantage there, Ar. We may be seeing two sevens on Sunday. Uh, it is a four o'clock start tomorrow, but uh, with some advanced knowledge, maybe uh, getting banged on that tomorrow. So, knowing you might have you know four less innings to play with, I'll take the mm. under. I'll take the under seventeen and a half. So we go 6-6-6, six, six, and six, and you hit the over. This is against the lowly Pirates. I don't know who is not that it matters who's on the mound for them. but um, you got J.C. Mejia, Cal Quantrill, Sam Hentges for, scheduled, and I use that term loosely. But I mean loosely, for, for them. Well, right. Because we're trying so to. Chad Cool. Yeah. Chad Cool is tonight. I think you're going to get Brubaker <sighs> on Sunday. Brubaker, love maker. <laughs> um. Can I make an amendment to this? Brew- I'll, if, I'll I had, four- if my last name was Brubaker, I would have gone a lot further in life, I think. <laughs> Anthony Brubaker. That just sounds tough. I'm going to give you an amendment to this question right. after you give the answer for what you think. Uh, you guys are scoring runs. Now, you just came out of the Baltimore series, so I guess that's not saying a lot, but you got confidence. Yeah, I think you can go over. I think okay. you can get to 18. It's not easy. 6-6-6, six, six, and six, or we get an 8 Yeah. Five, eighteen. No, I got to air with you. Under. Yeah. It's, it's, a, a, it's a hair too much. I'll go 4A, under. Four A, four A for you quickly. Uh, will a run be scored in the first inning in in every game? No. Oh, a run by either team? Yeah, run by either team in the first inning in every game. No, it's I would air. I'd play the odds and say no. Okay, Indians have scored eighteen runs in the first inning in June. So they average one an inning. You mean would a run be scored by either team in the first in any of the three games? In every game. Oh, in every No, I would say okay. no. Not in every right. game. Okay. What are, what are my odds on that? I'd, I'd actually like to take that bet. Probably, you're probably looking at five to one. Okay. I actually would say no. Every game, no. Five to one would All be right. if every, yes. Five to one to the yes. 
Uh, you're probably two to one. Uh, you're minus two. You're probably minus two dollars to the no. All right, flip through the last couple, CB. Yeah, Real we got fast. the game three of Vegas with Montreal. I want to know over uh, under four and a half combined goals. Oh, I'm going to go over on that. Yeah. I mean, I like this game a lot, and I think it could be a hard fought game again. But yeah. I'll go over four and a half. Yep, I'll go over two. And, and the final one is the weather. I want to know over <laughs> under for the high temp, eighty seven and a half. <laughs> Going over. Resident I think Sunday's, Sunday's going to be quite steamy. Chris, give me the over. I like 89. I'll give you an exacta. So you're going over as well. Over as well. My forecast for Sunday, talc up. All right, we'll come back. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Season ticket holder from day one, us two. Now and forever, your flagship home of the Columbus Blue Jackets. The fan, Ohio sports destination. Two guys who love a good fantasy draft. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. All right, second hour of the program. Hope you're staying dry and safe. Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis in today. CB at the switches. U.S. Open underway. You heard Kiel's mention that leaderboard, but I did just see Bryson DeChambeau make eagle at 18 let's go playing the back first and he started out bogey par bogey and you're thinking all right he may just this all this stuff may just be uh too much on his mind then he goes birdie at the par five uh then he goes par par birdie par eagle so he hit it 340 down the middle, then 232 to about, I'm sorry, about 225 to about 25 feet and made the eagle. Bryson DeChambeau is four back. The reason that that's, aside from the fact that he's very much in it to defend now, is that Brooks Kepka is minus two. And if somehow the golfing gods get these oh, two dudes oh, a little bit on. closer... So we're going to either need Bryson to do a little better on the front or Brooks to come back a little bit. And then it's all a matter of who finishes when and how they would get paired. I I don't see it happening, but there's an outside shot now that Bryson's back in it. And uh, Mickelson goes at about 4.30 today. He's trying to hang in there. He's plus four. Um, I I talked to you earlier in the show. I I mentioned, uh, or I wanted to mention the LeBron situation. There's really not a situation, but... I just remember when we were predicting the summer of LeBron, mm-hmm. and I I came on the program, and I kept throwing out stuff. Everyone that was tweeting me just said, he'll never rip Ronnie out of school. Not happening. That was what everyone was hanging on to, that he just wouldn't do that. And I said, well, how do you know Bronnie doesn't want to go to L.A.? Or how do you know that the family's on team LeBron and it's not LeBron on team family, so to speak. Like, how do you know? How do you know anything? Like when we were predicting this mm-hmm. and my feeling was, well, maybe Bronny who has the most, one of the most, maybe not the most, but one of the most famous athletic dads in the world wants to go where his dad wants to go. Now. Yeah. He has friends in high school and all that, but who knew? And it turns out he goes and He's playing for, I don't know, Sierra Canyon or whoever that is. And you know who showed up at his game, J. Lou? Drake and Michael B. Jordan. Oh, my God. Showed up last night to watch Bronny James, 16-year-old kid, in a regional semifinal basketball game. And that just tells you that, can you, I mean, can you imagine what that kid is experiencing now? 
my like, God. It's, it's really unbelievable. I mean, yep. for Bronny now is drawing a star-studded crowd, just like, you know, his famous father went to the game and brought with, he had teammates, he had J.R. Smith with him, Jared Dudley with him, Drake was there too for that one. Uh, I mean, that's amazing. I missed, Bronny missed most of the season because I think he had a torn meniscus that he had earlier in the year, and now he's back, and he's he's a sophomore, right, CB? So, 16, that would make him a sophomore. Yeah, yeah that okay. sounds about right. right. Yeah. He's a four-star kid, class of 2023, um, but he has Drake and Michael B. Jordan attending his high school games, and people were telling Sorry me a while back, oh, he doesn't want to leave Cleveland. I mean, th- this kid is in the circle, man. He's now a lot to live up to. I don't know. Who has more to live up to, Charlie Woods or Bronny James? We we did we have this uh what was the question? I was with you. I think it was who would who would win a title first? Yeah. Ronnie James or Charlie or Woods? Charlie Woods. Yeah. He's got a lead on Charlie though, doesn't he? I mean, age wise. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he does. Uh, but now now Charlie gets four cracks a year. Uh once he <laughs> once he makes the tour. He gets four cracks a year. Was it a major or a tournament that we were gonna I do with Charlie was, Woods? He's twelve. Well, either way, that's a that's a good question. So that's a two part question. Obviously, those odds for him to win a tournament before um, Bronny wins an NBA title. I mean, you, he would have to be favored for that. Although, as you said, you know, Bronny would get a head start for the age portion there. To, to Unless he goes, well, CB, he is going to college, right? Well. Maybe. Uh, Duke, How good Duke, is he? One and done. Well, Duke was one the hot done. shot name until yeah. the Coach K stuff came out. Yeah. yeah. But if he goes for one, that's fine. Then Charlie gets a little bit of a... But he's definitely going to have a head start on him. So who would I... Let's see. If we really want to think this through, who would mm-hmm. win a title first? Let's just say a PGA Tour title, not a major. Okay. There are a lot he's of a good tournament. dudes that have never won majors. Okay. Like, let's not... Let's try it. And the other is a team game. So Bronny... By the way, that's a negative for Bronny. Is wherever yeah, he goes, the right team. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be the right team. So in a way, Charlie controls everything, mm-hmm. and and so as much as he doesn't get the head start age wise, once he if he, by the way, and we skipped over the fact that Charlie Woods is not a lock to make the PGA Tour. Right, like right. I think we're already saying that since he's Tiger's son and he looks pretty good at twelve. I mean, there are a lot of really good 12-year-old golfers. I have not seen Charlie Woods play in person other than that father-son made-for-TV deal where he looked pretty good, where he was out there with the, the big you know, tee shot advantage, and he looks back at his dad hundreds of yards back and says, we're good. You don't have to hit. Like, it was one of the great moments when Charlie Woods said, pick up the tee, let's go. Don't, you don't need to hit, Dad. We're in, a, we're in a better position than you could get us in. <laughs> Like, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. And so I, I feel like, is Bronny better at basketball right now than Charlie Woods is at golf right now? Man. I would say probably a little, mm-hmm. but we're going team sport versus individual. All right, where are you, CB, where are you putting your soft-earned dollars, your biggest state, this is it. Charlie Woods has to win a tour event before Bronny wins a team title in basketball. Well, I'm just looking at Zion Williamson, and he's mm-hmm. stuck down there in, with the Pelicans oh, and God. all the rumors coming out about his family yeah. when they get him out of there. Like Because yeah. it relies so heavily on the team aspect, I think i got to go with the individual and Woods. Yeah. If we were setting a line, AR, 
He's setting a line on on Charlie to win a tournament over Bronny to win an NBA title first. What are you what are you putting right. that price up at? I don't I don't that's the problem. I don't know who the favorite is. I th- I think Charlie has to be a small favorite. And even even though even though the years mm-hmm. he's behind Bronny. So what are we saying? Seven Let's see. So Tiger made his tour debut at 20. Is that right? Uh that's made it in 97, so I think he was probably let's see he's 40, he's made it in 97, so that would be 22. 20? Maybe? 22? Okay. Yeah, 22, I think. And Charlie is... 12. Oh, did we have this? Okay, Charlie's 12. So, let's call it 10 years, just in case he's on this. All right. Yep, and Bronny... Right. It means we've got Bronny's 10 years to wait. Okay. I'm going to say I'm gonna say that you put... Um, uh, Charlie Woods is minus 125, and I will put Bronny at even money. Yeah. I just think he'll find a way. I think I I would I would put this on. Boy, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it is. The age disparity is the thing that gets you, and then you're assuming that Charlie makes the tour. He's got to get his tour card, or you get an think, exemption. No. I think the only thing this conversation is guaranteed that we've all lost our minds. <laughs> we're actually willing to bet on a 12 year old to win a tournament. We're like as uh, bad as the recruiters. Oh God. To make a kid an offer. Like, it, it seems like, okay, so he, he really did put on a show at that PNC. It was, it, was, it, was, it was neat. And there was a website out there that actually sent out Charlie Wood's futures, and that's why I think I brought it up that time. Yeah. And I think he was, and this is amazing. So you know what the odds were of Charlie Wood's winning a major by the age of 25? Not just winning a major, but winning it by the age of 25. What do you think the odds were? Oh. Because uh, I saw it on the site, and I thought I should probably put some money on this. The problem is you got to wait so long, and they get to take your money. Okay, that's a long. That's thirteen years, unless he wins one sooner. Uh, what do you think? The, what do you think the odds were of him winning a major or, by by the age twenty five? Is my eighteen or twenty to one just so far off? Incredibly off, like stratosphere God. off. Jeez, he's he's what four hundred to one? Uh, Try over double. Oh my god. 825 to 1. <laughs> Charlie Woods winning a major by 25. Now, when go, you hear it, it seems my... absurd, but it's probably not. I mean, when you let think me... about all the dudes that haven't won one, I mean, John Rahm hasn't won a major. Yeah. Let me go let me go return my Jags to win the AFC yes. South since you, you think that's just absolutely burning money and then we can go ahead and holster <laughs> this. We'll put it in the time capsule. And in yeah, 10 years, we got to we'll, give him we'll the money, and they get to hold it until he wins. <laughs> Our money's working for them. And will that site that we're betting on even exist in 13 years? Oh, God. Very true. Like we got to wait till everything well gets said. legalized and then make this bet. The problem is, like, we have to find a way to make this a legal bet yes. because so, we want to make sure if we're going to hand somebody our money for 13 years that we still have a shot at this thing when he's teeing it up at 25. All right, just so this will humor you, okay? Because I only put, uh, let's see, I put twelve dollars and fifty cents on that twelve to one mm-hmm. jag, so that would return me one hundred and fifty. If we were to take that same ticket, we get a refund. We put those twelve dollars and fifty cents on that eight hundred and twenty-five mm-hmm. to one for Charlie. That would register a cool ten thousand three hundred and twelve dollars and fifty cents. Wow. When when Rory McIlroy was fifteen, the books 
made him 500 to 1 to win the Open Championship by the time he turned 25. Oh, my. Now, his father, as the story goes, cashed in on that bet when he won the 2014 Open at 25. Oh, my goodness. And supposedly they had bet a lot of money at 500 to 1. Okay. 10 years prior to it happening when he was 15. My God. Now, McElroy, even at that young age at 15, they knew that he was destined for greatness. Right. Charlie at 12, we don't, he's not McElroy, not even close to what Rory was at 15. Now, we can bet on Charlie to be a tour pro just to get his card okay. before he turns 24. What do you think the odds are for that? Well, it'd be substantially lower, right? 100 to 1? Substan- crazy. 2 to 1. Oh, God. I would almost bet against it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. have better value to bet yeah. against it for sure. Um, and then I'll give you one more. This is a good one. Okay. Uh, well, a couple of them. When if he can win a major before twenty two, mm-hmm. just like his dad, he's fifteen hundred to one. Oh man! And the over under year that that plays in his first major is that he plays in his first major is set at twenty thirty five and a half. And I don't want to do any more math. Uh, we're, the we're fifteen hundred pu- to one ticket. Yeah, uh, that would be eighteen thousand seven hundred fifty if we cash in that Jags to win the South. Wow. Money, money, money. Problem is, it's it's a bad bet because yeah. it just takes too darn too long. long. <laughs> yeah. I just I'm all into futures, seasonal futures, decade That's, futures. No, decade futures. I'm out. I don't even know. Oh, you don't even want to bet on me to be around. No. So let alone him winning a major. All right, we'll come back. Speaking of money, when do the Browns pay Baker? How long do they wait? Rothman and Ice on the fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year. Given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, No need to look it up. It's real. The fan. Joggers or sweatpants. Either way, one size fits all. This is Rothman and Ice. Rothman and Ice. Jason Hershorn, NFL SB Nation, 133. Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis. When Jimmy and D. Haslam got the brownies, there was there was a there's a little bit of a roller coaster of emotion, certainly. That kind of Steeler connection and all that. You felt like, okay, here we go. But they've been in search of this quarterback coach combo forever. And now they got one. At least they think they do. I mean, we all, we're all seeing it with our eyes. Um, there's a lot of belief in Stefanski, and there should be. There's a lot of belief in Baker with the right team around him, and he does have that. And the fact that he flashed right out of the gate and then kind of came back to earth, but then had a beautiful run late last year and the second half of the season. And so now he's got this combo platter. The first time you really feel great in eight years, eight, nine years since he got the team. And so... You'd think that once you get one of those, the owner would say, well, all right, extend this dude. Not going to mess around. But, you know, I've been on the air saying you, you, this can be a win-win. Maddie's, Maddie's line is, well, you can get him for cheaper now. Extend him now, get him for cheaper, lock him up, and then you're mm-hmm. done. Uh, my feel is I'd rather know for sure, and then I'd be more than willing to pay. And that may be just my personality. I just, I'd rather know for sure. 
And I already just picked up his fifth year. So, and then, and he'll hate this because he's on vacation, but, you know, I've still got the tag in my back pocket. Still go down that road if I need it. Keep extending that for a little bit. And I don't think it'll ever get to that. He deserved his fifth-year option. They got it picked up. Andrew Barry is now going to have to figure out when is the right time. I don't think... I, I, I think this year is pretty special, or can be, as far as the growth of the entire organization to go back-to-back, just, just back-to-back playoff berths. What, since... How, 80s? 80s. Like, it's been that Early. long. I mean, yeah. people are like, hey, I hope they win the Super Bowl this year. I'm like... You haven't been to back-to-back playoffs yeah. since, uh, yeah, uh, once back in the 80s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that to me, as I missed my cue. Yeah, it was in the 80s, but I did not enjoy it. I, I enjoyed it, and now I'd like to enjoy it again. But it's all about Super Bowl. And I do think, and I love the way Baker's talking now, J. Lou, about, hey, it'll, it'll get figured out. And so if you picked up his fifth-year option worth 19 mil in 2022, why don't we see how this year plays out? Then you can always extend him before then, and then take wipe that off the table and give him his big deal. I think this mm-hmm. this this is a very important season. He's got the he's got a team that if they don't succeed because of the offense, then it will be because of Baker most likely. And I'm in the I'm I'm willing to play the waiting game. Yep, right now for this mm-hmm. season. Are you? Uh, yes, uh, I have been on that train for a while, and uh, I'm not going to get off of it because. Um, I, I have a feeling, and I think, I think Pro Football Talk put this out as well, that Lamar Jackson will be the first of the three, and meaning that Jackson, Mayfield, and Josh Allen, uh, that Lamar will sign first. And I, I think they had said before training camp starts. So that's you know, a few weeks here, and uh, the, the anticipation of Lamar Jackson. So there's your benchmark, right, AR? So, of course, in negotiations, both those guys, Baker and Josh Allen, will use that number and try to get better than that number. And so fan bases are going to say, well, there's Maddie's argument about, you know, get him for cheaper. I mean, you're still going to pay. You're still going to pay through the nose to, to have Baker Mayfield be your franchise quarterback. I'm with you that because of the weapons around him, I need to see it myself. I need to see what happened last year happen again. And then the money doesn't matter, right? The money will not matter at that point. You're going to have to lock up Nick Chubb at some point. And you're gonna have to make a decision on on Maybe. Odell Beckham's future. So, yeah. well, I'm not I, paying I, Baker forty million dollars. No, I, I'm not right doing now. that either. Like, I'm I can't make him either. a top three quarterback in the NFL. I agree. Like, I agree. And I don't think he's asking for that. I don't even know if he'd be his agent may, but no, I'm I'm. And so, it's not. This isn't to to diss Baker. I think he's very good for the team he's on, the system he's in. I think he's better than a system quarterback, but he's certainly flourishing because of the system. So I guess that would make him uh, potentially a system dude, but he's got athletic ability, and you hope that he can only get better. But he's got a team now, and everything's in place now to keep this train running on the tracks. He's only 25, and he's much better than he was when he was throwing, what, 20-plus picks. He finally came back to, you know, remember, this dude's thrown like 35, 40 picks in two years mm-hmm. prior to last year. Yep. But I'm, I'm all about, he gets OBJ back, he's got the running game, the defense gets better. They've got a great team, and his fifth year is picked up because it should be picked up, because that's good business. But yeah, I'm not, I mean, a lot of people would say, hey, maybe you can get him for less. I don't know if you can get him for less. 
that by the way that is probably the best argument mm-hmm. is if you could lock him up for a discount then I would I could be into that but there's something about let's see now that he's got everything he needs and the hype is there and they're yep. saying the right things I guess I'm into paying I'm willing to pay for sure things and I just don't know if he's a sure thing right now agreed CB well said. same y'all in, uh, in I'm in pod? the same boat you okay. don't have to rush it yet yep right. well said We'll ask Jason Hershorn next, NFL SB Nation. We'll get an update on everything going on in the league. The soap opera that is the revolving quarterbacks in this league. We'll get his take next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. You'd think that during a three-hour radio show, Man and Bone would say something intelligent. You'd be wrong. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Dog advice? Check. Gambling advice? Check. Eating broccoli for every meal? Check. Yeah, no, honey. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, welcome back. Rothman and Ice. Anthony Rothman, Jensen Lewis, and on the Brian Heating Coin System Spangus Hotline, our friend Jason B. Hershorn, award-winning NFL writer for SB Nation. Jason, welcome back. How's it going, guys? Doing well, doing very well. Uh, let me get your opinion out of the gate on what Matt Nagy is orchestrating in Chicago. I'm sure in that city, and it's it's my uh, hometown, they're probably, they can't wait to drive this new Ferrari, and he's telling them that uh, the weather's bad, we need the four-wheel drive, <laughs> we need cargo, we need something more practical, and the veteran and Andy Dalton. Uh, how is this going over in Chicago, you think, and... Is is he right in saying, "Hey, I got a rookie here. He can learn a little bit uh, before I I throw him out there." How do you feel about it? Well, for starters, it's a very creative metaphor for the Justin Fields Andy Dalton discussion. But the I think the Bears understand that there's a lot of external excitement about Justin Fields, and very fairly so. And while they're trying to somewhat keep that in check, they're also very excited themselves. They saw Justin Fields during OTAs during mandatory minicamp, they saw how well he performed. Not that every single practice was great, but overall the work was very impressive, not just for a rookie. He was throwing a lot of impressive dimes. They could have seen some of those highlights on social media, and those were consistent according to every account that we have. Now, if you're the Bears, you don't have to make a real decision on the quarterback until much later in the offseason. Training camp is over a month away. With that in mind, you know, it, I'm saying it would have hurt them to say Justin Fields could potentially be the opening day starter because of the way that Matt Nagy is and the way that organization is. They view it as why make a decision officially right now in terms of being able to discuss Justin Fields as a starter. If Justin Fields outperforms Andy Dalton during the preseason, that's just going to be the way that they go early in the season, if not week one. And it just makes sense. This is not like the Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes situation. That coaching staff in KC had a lot more runway ahead of them. This Bears staff is not guaranteed anything beyond 2021. So if Justin Fields gives that team the best chance to win, and some of the comments that Matt Nagy has given about Justin Fields that isn't about whether or not he will start certainly indicates that they believe that that's possible. They're going to go in that direction at some point because they're not going to spite themselves just to stick to the veteran has to start because the veteran has to start. Jason, hey, it's Jensen. Uh, before we just uh, had you on, uh, we were talking uh, of the big three here with Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen. Uh, we would expect that uh, one of these guys is going to to sign before training camp. It looks like the smart money is on Lamar Jackson uh, to get a, a deal done with the Ravens. Uh, you know, Ant and I were talking about what number 
if we were going to get Baker at a discount, what number uh, would that look like in your mind if, if Baker Mayfield is the first to sign one of these mega deals? Well, I don't know how much of a discount any of these quarterbacks are going to take now or in the future. All of the agents that I have spoken with, not about these quarterbacks specifically, but about players in general who are in line for big money deals and all of those names you just gave apply, know that that big TV money is going to hit the NFL books, not in 2022, but in 2023. If you're extending a quarterback, especially ones in that age group, you know, they're early to mid-20s, you know those deals are going to be long-term deals. And those agents are not going to shortchange their own clients just because they can get a deal now. You look at the Dak Prescott situation in Dallas last year. He declined some long-term deals because he knew he could get more money once he was closer to the open market. And even with that injury, he still got that money. So these quarterbacks have a very high floor when it comes to what they can earn. And on top of that, they know that the ceiling on what the NFL can give is about to raise significantly. So even if you have a deal, let's say, not for any one of these guys in particular, but just for the next big quarterback contract, is around $40 million, right now that's about 22% of the salary cap. Two years from now, that same deal is closer to 15%. That's a humongous difference. And agents are going to look at it that way, that if you're going to give us a deal commensurate with what we could get in a few years, you know, we're on board. If you're going to make us wait, we're fine doing that because we know that our quarterback is going to get that money eventually. Boy, yeah, really interesting stuff there. I think Jensen was going down the road of maybe who deserves it first yeah. from a playing standpoint, and I, I agree that's a great question. Josh Allen was playing at an MVP level. Uh, Lamar Jackson was an MVP. Baker had the one really good year. Now he's coming on. I don't know what he's looking for, and I doubt any of us really know what his agent would be seeking. If if he didn't want absolutely huge money, that $40 million you're talking about, then maybe they would get it done, Jason? Like, you think there's part of me or part of you that thinks that his agent may be convincing him the other way? If you don't want the 40 mil, we might be able to get you the security you want. Yeah, it's really hard to say because the calculation with Baker is different than those other guys. Mm -hmm. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, for the most part, have shown a higher ceiling. And especially in the case of Josh Allen, has shown a very linear trajectory up. Whereas, you know, Baker had a very impressive rookie season, a somewhat disappointing sophomore season. And then this past year played the best ball of his career. So it's a little harder to figure out with Baker, and that might be one of the other factors that might keep them from getting a contract done in the near future. Of course, if that age is willing to come down to a lower number, the Browns would say, okay, there are risks here. We've only seen Baker play at that level for one season in a new offense, but we're not going to get this price again, so it's worth taking the risk. That's obviously a bunch of things that we can't know at this time. However, I, I do think that you're going to see Lamar Jackson amongst those guys you named get the contract first because the Ravens have fully invested in not just Lamar Jackson as a player, but Lamar Jackson is like the vision for that offense. Not that the Bills are not invested in Josh Allen or the Browns are not invested in Baker Mayfield, but it's a different level with Baltimore. You have plenty of motivation to get that deal done as soon as possible. Um, and let's go out to the uh, NFC West. And uh, as uh, AR and I like to do on this show, we like to kind of look at some uh, wagering uh, odds to uh, kind of frame a, an, an argument or a question. Uh, there is a prop of the entirety of the NFC West making the playoffs. And I mean, I think we can agree that that's probably going to be, if not the toughest division in football, it, it'll be right up there. Uh, that's 20 to 1 for all four NFC West teams to make the playoffs. Uh, would you take a hard-earned Benjamin 
uh, and put that uh, on that prop for all four NFC West teams to make the playoffs? I think that argument sort of defeats itself because you're right. It is a very competitive division. Whatever team is the worst one of those four could be the best team in certain other divisions. You're absolutely right. And I know the schedule overall for the MC West teams is considered one of the less challenging ones. Mm -hmm. And that certainly factors into that property we're discussing. However, those teams play each other multiple times, and there are always disappointments within any given division, oftentimes more than one. It would be extremely difficult to see any four-team division, now or in the future, at least as the current playoff system is constructed, making it into the playoffs. Uh, you're welcome to to uh, wager on that if you like. Uh, that's not the way I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible to think about, though, isn't it? And you're right. I think you bring up the best point, Jason, is that they have to cannibalize each other a little right. bit. But if you look around the NFC, it's not that absurd to think about because, and and I'll ask this because I think here's the key team for me. It may either be Washington or Dallas and how they, how they show up this year. Maybe one is a wild card. And then to me, it's the Saints, right? It's taking a 12 win team and handing them a new quarterback. Are the Saints a wild card team this year in your mind? I mean, if they're going to be a wild card team, I would imagine they're one. I mean, literally the last one in. And it's not just that Drew Brees isn't there anymore. That's a huge part of it. But it's also that offense is going to look very different than it did the last two years. That was not a vertically minded passing game just because of the limitations of Drew Brees. Whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, and I, I think it's a little more likely it's going to be Jameis Winston, but it's way, way too early to say. They're going to be a team that takes more shots down the field. Now, there's upside there. And they have the weapons to take advantage of that. But the last time we saw James Winston as a starter, he also had a 30-for-30 season. So when you consider Mm -hmm. that, too, just it's too much of a risk for me to feel super comfortable. Even though Sean Payton is a fantastic head coach, the defense is still tremendously talented. It's Again, it's all division itself that has other obstacles. Carolina is going to be much better this Mm -hmm. year, even if Sam Darnold is not a huge improvement over Teddy Bridgewater. Tampa Bay is still there. And even if, you know, Tom Brady shows some regression because, you know, he's entering his 60th season in the NFL, that's still going to be a competitive team. So it's certainly an argument for the Saints that they could make it in because of all of that infrastructure that they've built over the course of the past decade plus. But with any quarterback change, you just you have to be very, very careful, especially when that quarterback is either going to be Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the bet. I, I would say no because I would say there are too many other things to really think about. It, you could get a, you certainly could get a wild card out of the NFC North with with the Vikings or the Bears or the Packers, right? Depending on now, if Rodgers leaves, and we'll end it on this, the obligatory Rodgers questions. Do you believe he will leave, and do what? Like reti- Do you think it's retirement over a trade? Do you think he'll come back? What, what do you like here? My only firm belief in this, as it stands right now, is that the Packers will not trade Aaron Rodgers in 2021. Brian Gutekunst, regardless of his handling of the situation thus far, does not want to be the guy that trades Aaron Rodgers off of an MVP season. And on top of that, Mark Murphy, the president and CEO of the team, does not want to be the guy who oversaw the trading of both Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, in both cases coming up seasons where they either won the MVP or received MVP votes. I don't see that as terribly likely. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to play for the Packers. It does seem that he is genuinely disinterested in coming back to the team, at least right now. You know, that could resolve itself between now and sometime early in training camp. It's also possible that he just sits out the seasons and, you know, in a Carson Palmer-like way, 
forces the Packers to deal with him maybe an offseason from now. But I have a really hard time believing that the Packers will trade Aaron Rodgers during the 2021 season. Next offseason, perhaps it's a different story, but right now I find that hard to believe. All right. Good stuff. Jason Hershorn mm-hmm. with us. Thanks, man. Good, good job, and right. be well. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, guys. Yeah, he was on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangus hotline. Here's the deal. The Packers, though, and I've said this on the show before, I mean, they they, they got rid of Far for a fourth-round pick. Sure. Now, I think it turned into a third. I can't remember whether it, it was. A, it was, certainly was conditional, and I, I can't remember. But I do remember that they were making sure that he was not traded um, to the Vikes at one point. There was like some poison pill in the deal, I, I think. Like, like they were able to... If if he was able to get moved again to Minnesota, the Jets would have to like surrender like three first round picks to Green yeah. Bay. Like right. if they fl- if they flipped him, flip or flop, if they flipped him, then they were really on the hook. So that wouldn't happen. So that was a wild insurance policy. And then they decided to move forward with what everybody knows was the guy they knew what they had in with Aaron Rodgers, and it was amazing. It was, it's been amazing. I I, I like what he's saying that. But but the difference between moving Aaron Rodgers now and what you'd get for him and moving far for what they did get for him, that's apples and bowling balls oh, yeah. to me. Yeah. So I, that's why galaxies. I don't like to compare those two guys for, in this instance. We'll come right. back with the Buckeye Bulletin, Rothman and Ice on the fan. If it's Buckeye football you crave, you've come to the right place. And if it's day drinking you crave, you've also come to the right place. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Rothman and Ice present... Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Don't go through another air conditioner breakdown. For fast, friendly service, call the experts at Logan Services now for a free estimate and next day air installation. All right, Buckeye Bolton time. Outstanding to see that Jay Sean Tate was named to the NBA's yeah. all-rookie first team mm-hmm. for this year. It's voted on by the media across the league. And so clearly they recognize he's like the first rocket to earn first-team honors in a while. And that's a really good deal because this – it's not like he came out of nowhere, J. Lou, but – because he's always a dude you'd want on your yeah. team. Mm-hmm. But what he turned himself into as a pro, like 6'5", lefty, averaged over 11 a game. And he was really – we always knew he was really versatile and a great defender here. And one of those guys that you just that would just live and die on every bounce of the ball, and and he was and he's built physically to hold up, and he just he just really moves well for a big dude. He was he he defends guards pretty well in the perimeter, and when John Wall and Kevin Porter Jr. had their seasons go through injury, um, he was versatile enough offensively, which is amazing to me. Um, like the way he had his handles and his skills, and he was dishing out assists a lot here at the end of the season. So, very, very neat. And and you know what's even better? That the lack of team success didn't hurt his chances to make it. No question. On this work. I like yeah. that, that. I like that that happened for him. CB, how many games do you think they won this year? I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Yeah. Figured you were kind of our. Half a man on the NBA there. Not really, but I try okay. to. No, that's all right. It's got to be in like the yeah, 20s. That's honest. It's got to be in like the 20s. Yeah. Rockets I... finished dead last in the <laughs> West, 17 and 55. Okay. So there you go. They won 17 games and he made the all-rookie team. Worst team in the world. That's league. good job from the media. Yeah. 
Really nice job. Pretty heady company, too, right? Anthony Edwards, the Timberwolves, LaMelo Ball, Rookie of the Year, Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I don't know and if he deserved to win Rookie of the Year. But, um, but yeah, good season. And uh, that's awesome. Undrafted to get to first-team honors. Undrafted in the league, mm-hmm. first-team honors. That doesn't happen very often. Congratulations right. to Central Ohio's own Jay Sean Tate. Uh, let me tell you about another former Buckeye, Darren Lee, who has been signed by the Raiders. Do you have details on this, CB? So one year? Yeah, basically it's a one-year deal. It's his, I think it's his fourth team overall. Yeah, in six years. Well, well he won yeah. a he won a ring with the Chiefs. At least I think he got a ring with them. Was he a practice squad with them, CB? I thought he was at the time. I do know Mike Weber got a ring with them. I'm just not sure if he yeah. qualified. Yeah, uh, I think that's at the owner's discretion, right, Jayla? Wouldn't that be yeah. because so I, he, I I walked in when I, I covered that Super Bowl and I interviewed mm-hmm. him in the locker room, yeah. but I never thought at the time to say, which I wouldn't, or I'd get punched in the face. Do you think you'll get a ring? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was in, in the he was in the locker room. He was inactive. He was inactive yeah. during the win uh, because he was serving a four games. Part of the 2020 season. Oh, right, that's right. He did get suspended. Um, but yes, it is at the owner's discretion. Actually, that's probably voted on, uh, at least in baseball. You know, we had to vote before the postseason started. You vote the shares, at least, you know, for the money side. But I would believe that the ownership has has the uh, the power to, to decide who gets and who does not. Yeah. I'm going to bet he got one. Yeah, uh, probably did. It's nice to see... Mike Mayock circle back and get him here. Mayock loved him in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had him as yeah, one of sure his top did. linebackers in, in 16. Now, he got drafted by the Jets, 20th overall, and it, it hasn't gone the way people thought it would go. And like you said, he's he's been a roller coaster here. He got a second chance with the Chiefs and then started only a couple games. He got on special teams, and here he goes with the Raiders. Mayak loved him. Now he gets him on the uh, end around here. We'll see if Darren Lee can make something out of his time with them. All right, that is today's Buckeye Bulletin. Want to tell you about my friends over at Jermaine Honda on Sawmill Road. Their inventory growing every day. They got a handful in of the fresh redesigned 2022 Civics. Very sweet ride. I told you about all the upgrades on that thing with the lights and um crazy good stuff on that new Civic. And if you own a Civic, then you know it's time to upgrade because they're paying a lot on trades. And Honda, Jermaine Honda on Sommel Road, uh, Rich Newsom and his staff, they are awesome. I've been to the dealership several times over the last couple of weeks. And just the people, they, they want you to feel right in your new car, and that's what it's about. I mean, you don't, nobody wants buyer's remorse on a new car. It should be the greatest, uh, it should be one of the great pleasures in, in purchasing a new vehicle. They've got more than 500 new and pre-owned They'll let you live in it for a little bit because who knows? You live in a car for, you know, you take a car on a test drive. You're like, okay, it's great, but it, it's not your normal daily life of getting in and out of it all the time. They're going to make sure you're happy. Same day service. You don't need an appointment. Check out all their new rides now. JermaineHondaOfDublin.com and their certified Hondas. See my friend Jerry over in pre-owned. He will definitely take care of you. JermaineHondaOfDublin.com. We'll come back. Sports Center update. Top of the hour here. Garrett Cole. He's still kind of pleading his case on, hey, this needs to be in the game. Does it really? We've got an expert here to weigh in on that. Rothman and Ice on the fan. 
Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for A Deeper Dive. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. Miss filling up before gas prices went up? Get UDF slow price lock with U-Drive. All right, back at it. Final hour here. As we spin our wheels into the weekend, Anthony Rothman, Jensen, Jensen Lewis in for ice. You heard Kills mention Richard Bland. Richard Bland, like we all thought. Richard. Richard. <laughs> Richard. Uh, Richard Bland is five under. Now, he's an Englishman, and he's never made a cut in a major. And the dude's leading right now. Wow. He's played in the U.S. Open before. I think one time he missed the cut. That's not what makes this a special story. The special part about it is that he's 48. Now, it may not be that big of a deal because Phil just won the PGA at 50 and a half and more. Actually, Phil just turned 51. But can you imagine having this dude, Cinderella story, out of nowhere, Englishman, 48, Richard Dick Bland is going to... (laughs) I mean, this is amazing. Dude's never made a cut in a major, and he's leading the Open at at Torrey Pines. Uh, Go for it, Richard. Housekeeping. Richard, that would be nice if he stuck around for a little while. Uh, Mm -hmm. Romer is minus two. Brooks is minus two. He'll go later on. Bryson is playing really well. However, he did just bogey the par three third. He's hitting about 70% of his fairways today. He hit 57% of his fairways yesterday. So you guys can do the math on that. That's better. Seven out of 10 is better than eight out of 14. And that's why he is playing better today. So he's right there. So Bryson making a run. Uh, who else can I tell you about? Unfortunately, Bo Hogue, Central Ohio, uh, Upper Arlington, Ohio State, plus 11 right now. So he will not be around for the weekend. Um, Patty Reed, my pick, plus one, not doing a lot, just kind of hanging in there. 20 to uh, 1 right now. Get him live, Patrick Reed. That's what he, I think that's what he was before the tournament started. Uh, okay. CB, who'd you have? Finau, is that who your pick was? Yeah, I think he's at four yeah, he's over? Plus Five three. Up. Plus oh, three. Okay. And then the coach yesterday took uh, Will Zalatoris, plus six. Willie Z. Willie Z. A little too much for Willie Z right now. Yeah. Um, All right, so let's get into... I've been dying to have this conversation with you, but Mm -hmm. before we do, you heard Garrett... I I actually texted you when Garrett Cole went through his almost like pleading the fifth. Like, what are you guys asking me about? Why don't you just ask the forefathers? (laughs) Like the guys that passed this down, right? Um that that's the guys to blame. We're just doing what's always been done. And by the way, if we don't use this stuff, more batters are going to get hit in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about that in a second. But here's Garrett Cole again. By the way, Garrett Cole had a decent start. Then I think he gave up a couple dingers the other night. But here's Garrett Cole. Is this after CB set this up for me? Yeah, I think he went like eight innings, but the two runs he gave up were two home runs. Okay, right. let's hear what he had to say. I just can't. It's it's hard. I mean, it's hard to it's so hard to grip the ball. I just you know, I mean, for Pete's sake, it's part of the reason why almost every player on the field has has something, regardless if they're a pitcher or not, to help them help them control the ball. Um, I think that um, I don't have a solution, but again, we're we're a we are aligned in, in a lot of areas with the commissioner's office on this. And um, 
please just please just talk to us. Please just work with us. I know you have the hammer here, but um, you know there there's there's uh, we've been living in a gray area for so long. Um, I would just hate to see players get hurt. I would I would hate to see balls start flying at people's heads. I had a really tough time gripping the baseball tonight, uh, especially early when it was windy. So um, I don't really care to be inflammatory here, Joel. I just uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. I got to tell you, over the last couple times I've heard Garrett Cole speak, as much as I don't buy some of the stuff he's saying, I actually applaud the authenticity of it. Yeah. I think there's some genuine nature to it. He, the easiest thing would have been for him to lie the first time around and say, I don't use, I've never used, I'm, I'm too good to use. Um, he's not. He, he's basically telling you he's guilty, but he doesn't feel like he's, he's committing a crime. That's the best way I can put it. Let me ask you this first. How different are the balls now, do you feel? Different. Okay. Uh, uh, the best way I can give people that are listening an idea of what it is, uh, think about a cue ball. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that's You're basically trying to get a grip on that. That's as close as an analogy as I can give. Okay, so let me ask you this then. Um, the r- sweat and rosin, mm-hmm. not enough? They, they let you use the rosin bag. What, what I find just absolutely insane uh, is that they outlawed sunscreen. Okay, I'm a fair skin guy, AR, and I get to wear sunscreen, you know, when I go mm-hmm. out and sit out and do the postgame mm-hmm. show with the sun beating down. How that is classified as a foreign substance is absolutely beyond me. Uh, that, is, that is so stupid uh, that uh, I, I don't even know if anybody read that twice and thought, eh, maybe we shouldn't do this. So when you put and, and I've done this before. I've used sunscreen and rosin on severely mm-hmm. humid days, like Kansas City mm-hmm. in August. Horrendous weather to try and grip the ball. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's not so egregious on the spin rate part. And I think Garrett Cole went on and said spin rate's not everything, and he's right, and he's right, okay? That, there's nothing wrong with using rosin and sunscreen. Absolutely nothing wrong. You are not getting such a competitive advantage that – it's going to cause what we're seeing in, in baseball. The spider tack, yes, that's going to be a mm-hmm. difference maker. It definitely is, and we've had this conversation already. But to say that rosin and and sunscreen together, or sunscreen in general, is a foreign is is just mm-hmm. so absurd. So if mechanics have changed because of this trying to get a grip, and Glass now basically claim that that his injury came because of this, because the motion changed, they're trying to grip it. Uh, did did Glass now and all these young pitchers, including you, come up through the minors with this sticky stuff? I I knew guys that had a mixture or things that they would go to. I never liked it, AR. And again, I'm just speaking from my experience. I loved having the feel of the ball. I wanted to feel the seams. Can't you uh, just scratch up the seams? Yeah, I mean that's could, not that's not scuffing. That's legal. You can scratch right. them up a little bit. Yep. If you wanted to get a little bit of dirt yep. and and you wanted to kind of get you know some of that mm-hmm. that shine off the top, just so you can get that feel. Nothing wrong with that. Been doing it for a hundred years. Okay. I can I can speak from experience in 2013 when I was at the Cubs and Carlos Marmol was my throwing partner, and I was breaking in a new glove. Ar. My, I, I had to change my glove after the first day because it sounded like Velcro ripping when he would throw each ball. I mean, my palm was as dark as night after playing catch one morning, just one morning. 
I always knew that he had stuff on there. Uh, it wasn't so egregious like Michael Pineda literally had it on the side of his pants that we saw a couple of years ago. But here's the irony of this whole situation and why I think so many guys are upset is the hitters wanted guys to have a grip so that they were not getting in the box fearing for their life. Now, all of a sudden, you want it to change because of these no-hitters and these strikes. When are we going to blame the hitters for, hey, how about this whole launch angle phenomenon? All you guys are swinging up. You're not getting penalized for high strikeouts. Until you stop rewarding that, you're going to have this one-sided argument. You know, we, we went through this. I pitched at the end of steroid era, okay? And you had your nine-hole hitter hitting 20 homers. No one batted an eye. And, and when pitchers are like, this is just unfair. I mean, this is unfair. But now we get to a point where the pitchers, we've had to take 10, 15 years AR to try and find a way to level the playing field. And I'm not saying pine tar is the answer to do that. It, it is a foreign substance. But to say pitchers can't use it, tell me what hitter gains a competitive advantage by using pine tar. Every one of them, because they have a grip. And that's the whole point. The whole point is we're just trying to find something in the middle where, all right, if the hitters can use it, the pitchers need to be able to use it. End of story. Uh, See, okay, and then I'll disagree with you. I think that gripping a bat is different than being able to grip a baseball and change the spin rate. That's just my feeling, and and I think you're right about the batters, the culture now with the batters. The Ks don't matter. I'm with you on that. Swing up, go deep. There's no more Pete Rose trying to make contact. Right. It's not... I mean, Michael, I, Michael Brantley is a dying breed, yeah. you know. <laughs> although, and he just hit one out last night for me. But yeah. I, I, I feel like some of these guys are, are have had a pretty good piece of hitting the other day. Like I'll watch games and see really good hitting, mm-hmm. um, shooting it through the other side if the shift is on, and guys going. I mean, Naquin. There, there are guys that that know what they're doing with the bat. Um, I, I can't. I don't feel like if you give the players a substance to grip the bat, it's the same as giving the pitchers a substance to grip the ball. I. That for me, and, and believe me, I'm not that guy because I came on the show last the other week and said I don't care if there are too many no hitters. That doesn't bother me, right? Like it, it all balances out. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You got some no hitters. That's great. Um, you get you get games that are 12 to 10. That's great too. The batting average over the last 25 years has dropped tremendously. I mean, like from like 270, like under 240. And, and I'll say this, Ar, and I'll let you finish your point. Yeah. Look at look at the average fastball velocity mm-hmm. in in tandem, and, mm-hmm. and look at those lines cross probably sometime in the nineties. Yeah, late nineties well, probably. There are more pitchers throwing that can hit triple digits than ever yeah. before. Oh. Ever before. You threw ninety five yeah. back when yeah. I played Ar. You were throwing cheese. Well, you were throwing smoke. And here's what the pitchers will tell you, and this is what Cole is telling you, and this is where I'm. I'm not sure I want to buy into it. Although I'm not the one that has to dig in either. Pedro says, because I heard Pedro the other night say on MLB Network that you need balance because 100 with a tail into the face, we can't have that. No. So when you have 100 and you don't know what you're doing with it. Yeah. And and there's part of me that believes that baseball did this to themselves by not Agreed. letting dudes mature long enough. Agreed. Guys are coming up sooner than that. Look at your team. Mm-hmm. You need them now. Baseball. Yep. So if I get a dude throwing in the 90s or higher... And they don't know what they're doing with it, and they don't have the command. Then, then the the batter is in trouble. Uh, I heard Sean Casey say that. Who was he talking? About? I think he was talking about Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman said 
the ball is doing stuff that he had never seen before. Now, this is the batter's view on it. Casey said he had, you know, usually you had to guess where a slider was going. Like, you had an educated guess on what the ball was going to do. Like, if you were guessing slider, mm-hmm. you kind of knew where it was going to go. Right. Blackman says the ball's doing stuff he's never seen before. So, and I don't know how you feel about that. Is he right? With the, when, when the sticky stuff was being used before this yeah. last couple of weeks. So, I watched Craig Kimbrell strike out Nolan Arenado. This might have been on Saturday. One of the one of the most wicked late movements on a slider. I, I thought I was watching a video game. Right. I, it, I, I hadn't seen a ball do that before. <laughs> I can tell you that. And Kimbrell's been one of those guys in the gray area for a long time. Uh, about he's probably using something. Uh, again, not, not calling him out. I'm just saying there, there's been rumors about it. So I could agree to a certain extent with, with Charlie Blackman. Um, but again, I, I will also go back to what Cole said. And, and, and I hope people realize that we got so many young people that are coming to the game that are just taking sabermetrics and analytics as Bible. It's not, it's not just that. you got a lot of guys with low spin rate that are still dominating in the big leagues. So it's not an end-all. Is, is it a tool to analyze? Of course it is. Yeah. But at the same time, we got to be fair and balanced on the other side <laughs> and say, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you guys aren't putting the ball in play, that's not our fault. That's not our fault. No, it, it but I, just, I can't get around. I know you say that, that and I, I believe you, the Ks don't matter, and they're being rewarded for swinging up and going deep. But I just can't get around the fact if you're a pitcher and you throw hard, then and you can't grip the ball right. I mean, I'm watching games now, and there aren't dudes getting hit left and right. Like, then maybe you're going to have to be, you're going to have to pick your spots. Then I, I don't know. I just feel like if we're going to err on the side of letting them have, I'm with you. The sunscreen, maybe that could be worked with sweat, rosin, sunscreen, and that's what I think. Cold. Maybe there is a happy medium to making sure these guys can have some command control that they can they feel like that they're in control of the baseball and that's safer for everyone yet it's not this crazy advantage where we get guys like Blackman saying well now and I these are my words not his that you're getting into this wiffle ball kind of feel where I don't know where it's going and so um I don't think they should have done it midseason I don't I agree. I, but yes. I, I understand they felt they were in a PR nightmare of admitting that our guys are putting foreign substances on the ball, but we're okay with it for now. Like, then the integrity of the games were being questioned. Um, the wait a minute, you know they're doctoring the ball and you don't want to do anything about it. So maybe there's some common ground they can come to during the offseason, but for now, pitchers are just going to have to settle for the fact that, well, then you're just not going to be able to throw as hard. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk more baseball bottom of the hour. Truth next, Rothman and Ice in the fan. One guy is fat. The other is fatter. And both are kind of stupid. Pretty much sums up the whole show. Uh-huh. Common Man and Tebow. Weekdays from 3 to 6. The Fan. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. All right, CB, your dime, your dance floor. Okay, so we already put in our predictions for the U.S. Open. We're starting or in the middle of round two right now. So I want to ask you, if I gave you a mulligan on your prediction... Who would you change to? Um, probably not Richie Bland, even though I'm rooting for Blandy, who's now, by the way, minus six. <laughs> crazy. Wow. Uh, boy. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the mulligan. I'll do it. Uh, even though John Rahm can't hit a fairway, 
today. He's still even par on his round, and he's minus two on the tournament. And I feel like it's not really giving me that much because Patrick Reed's plus one. It would give me three strokes closer to the lead. Yeah, I guess now that I've seen, you know, 27 holes, I'd probably switch to Rom. How do you feel? Um, Rom right now is your betting favorite at five to one. Uh, Brooksy right behind him at six, and Xander at seven. I just um, watched Rom hit a three hundred and forty-seven yard drive, and I think it was the first one in the fairway on the day. So, and it's a good—he picked a good time to do it. It's a par five. I mean, how do you not go you go with Brooks? Right? I just—it just seems this is his kind of <laughs> his kind of deal. And we're all okay. As much as you want Richard Bland to uh, stay, go where he's at, I think we're all rooting for Brooks, Brooksy to come back and, and Bryson Richard. to you know get in uh, with a nice score here, so that we get Richard. the matchup we want, the pairing we want over the pairing weekend. we need. Yes, Richard. Just remember, it's not a lie. If you believe it. All right. So we just found out that Shohei Otani is going to be in the home run yes. derby. Yes. Who would you like to challenge him in that? I think the I, I think a lot of people obviously want to see Vladdy. Uh, I don't think there's uh, just with how far he's hitting those. Now remember in Denver, um, the ball's just gonna he's got Vladdy's got a real chance to hit one over their scoreboard in the left center, but Shohei has got a real chance to hit one in the third deck in in right field. Uh, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is is going to have a, a real say. Uh, in in winning this thing, mm-hmm. but if I gotta if I gotta pick a finals matchup, I want Shohei and Vladdy. Uh, yeah, I mean the matchup, you know, as far as deserving, um, how about Winker? It, it tailored for that field too. Yeah, how about get Wink in that in. thing? Yeah, like that would that would kind of get me a good feel for the NL. Um, yeah. a breakout Cunha certainly Soto is probably in that mix, but. Um, yeah, Winker has shown he can he can put on a show, right? When things are working, he's got that swing grooved right now. That's what home run derby is all about: getting in a groove. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, a sleeper, mm-hmm. Adelise Garcia from the Rangers. That dude can absolutely hammer balls. I don't want Adelise Shohei Garcia. to get hurt. Just kinda, no. You know, yeah. been great for my team. I just want to want him to take it easy a little bit here. <laughs> Can't handle the truth. So the Yankees swept the Blue Jays this week. I want to ask you, they're six games back right now of the Rays. Will they find their way back into the hunt in the AL East? Um, they're three. They're probably three, three and a half to one right now to win the East. Tampa's even money. I picked the Blue Jays to win that division at the beginning of the year. Uh, they just have not been able to be consistent. I mean, they, they beat the brakes off of, off of us when they came here, but... I don't think the Yankees have enough pitching. Uh, there's, they don't have. I can't believe we're saying this. They are. Yeah. The Yankees don't have enough offense, and they don't have enough pitching right now. <laughs> and, and you can't go out right now in the market in the next couple of weeks and try and address both those. They're, no, they're just I not mean, those guys available. They might shop for some good deals, and the, but I agree with you. They're probably in the you know sending out some expiring contracts, whether it's Kluber or Gardner, or maybe they can get a pitcher for a few years with a little more control. Torres for a bat, Sanchez, he could be a trade ship. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like it's tough because they've won a few in a row here, and you know, you feel like you want to buy into it, but it's a tough division. And your original question was what? Buyers or sellers on them? 
Uh, if they get back in the uh, hunt for the East, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, Six I'm out. not gonna go crazy about this three-game win streak. I'll say no. Did you say I know my truth? I know my truth. All right, one more here. So, 17 years ago, the movie Dodgeball made its debut. Oh. I want to ask you, where does it rank on your sports movie rankings? You know, it's really rewatchable. I think I put it in the same category as some other sports comedies like like Happy Gilmore and Blades of Glory and like stuff that when it's on, I'll watch. But it's not cracking any big ranking for me. It's no. got some very good characters in it. Ben Stiller, White Goodman's very good. Nobody makes yeah. me bleed my own blood. When you get into um, the area, too, about uh, all the stuff during the, the final scene, it's really good. Lance Armstrong makes it a, makes a cameo oh God, in the yeah. movie, uh, which is kind of ironic when he talks about, <laughs> yes, you know. Yes. But um, it's, you know... Every day, Vince Vaughn gets the girl in the end. It's a, it's a good, funny movie. It's It probably makes top ten of sports comedies. I'll go that route. Um, a Miracle uh, is uh, my top <laughs> uh, sports movie, uh, and that, that has just recently supplanted Major League because when I was growing up, Major League was my favorite. Uh, as far as sports comedies go, because uh, that's where we have to put it. Yeah, I think that's that's there needs to be a subcategory there. It's it's a it's a top ten, you know, sports. That's comedy. what I'm saying. It's a top. Yeah. It's a top ten sports comedy because yeah. when you think about, I'm trying to think about some of my favorite sports comedies. Certainly, Caddyshack, mm-hmm. Major League. You mentioned I definitely slap shot for sure for me. Um, Happy Gilmore, Talladega Nights is pretty good. Happy Gilmore's in there. Would you would, was Bull Durham a comedy, a sports comedy? Yeah, it probably it probably yeah. can be classified yeah. as that, but that can also yeah. be in your top sports movies overall. Yeah, I agree. It's better than like Dodgeball's better than better than the Waterboy. Yeah, definitely. It's close. Yep, pretty close. They're neck and neck. Um, you know, I like my Will Ferrell sports comedies, Blades of Glory and Talladega Nights. I don't think it's better than White Men Can't Jump. That's just a better movie. Uh, and then I named my other three, which would be Caddyshack, Major League, and Slapshot. So it's mm-hmm. top ten, but that's about it for me. And the truth shall set you free! All right, we'll come back. What a wild ride for the Reds last night. You thought that the baseball gods were shining on them some more. Uh, no shame in this loss, but it does feed into the biggest concern. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Feel unappreciated. Things not working out the way you imagined. Bad news. Sometimes life sucks. Good news. We don't. The fan. Ohio's sports destination. <laughs> Crowd the plate at your own risk. <sighs> it's time for some gin music with former big leaguer and president of the Baldwin's Beautiful Fan Club, Jensen Lewis. <laughs> Nothing changes. We go through the process. <laughs> Even though he's co-hosting, he gets his walk-up music. Yes. We're not to mess with anything. We don't want to mess with Miley trying to throw two no-hitters. And then Mr. Tatis Jr. had something to say about it. He's getting a lot of ground balls last night. It's changed. I thought it was down and away to those righties. Tatis uh, took him out in the sixth. Uh, are you a big believer in the take me through 
Is it still everybody get away from the pitcher when he's and when when does that happen? Does that happen Probably, yeah. going into the sixth or what's the line yeah. after he I gets? I was just going to say sixth, yeah, fifth, yeah, fifth. probably fifth or sixth for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, that's that's what happened last night when Wade Miley had a no hitter through five and two thirds, uh, two outs, nobody on, and here comes Tatis Jr. Uh, I think he took him out in the first pitch. It looked like he was mid eighties outer half. Right, I can't quite remember. Um, if that dude's coming up two outs, nobody on, and you're throwing a no hitter. Um, are you thinking that he may be swinging at, at, uh, because Jay, by the way, you're my guy and your guy, Jay Ram swung three mm-hmm. Oh and took one out yesterday. Yep. Uh, uh what are you thinking with Tatis Jr. coming on? You got two outs, nobody on. Yeah. I think that's probably sequencing, right? You know, how he's kind of seen, uh, Miley that first, second time mm-hmm. around. And if he knows that. Uh, I, I think probably uh, the entire dugout knows at that point that the command that Miley had last night was really good, and he's always been a guy that fills up the zone. So you, you probably go look one pitch, one spot if you're going to swing on that first pitch, and he got it, and and that's what great hitters do is 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 they destroy pitches that they're looking for. So I think there's, I mean, uh, you look at two things when you give up a home run as a pitcher. You look at okay, was the pitch correct? Is, is that the pitch I wanted to throw? And if it was, did I execute it in the spot that mm-hmm. I wanted to execute it in? And and I think Miley probably, if he had to take it back, I don't I don't know if he would you know put it inside mm-hmm. or, or what uh, what he would have done. But I mean, he was he was money up to that point. He was he was on autopilot, and maybe thought you know Tatis going to look at one here. Yeah, and we had, we don't have a hit yet. I don't want to help sure. him out. I mean, there's there's cases where if if you're going against a dude that's pitching a no hitter. That you don't want to help him out anymore. Let's see a few sure. pitches here and maybe maybe get him to the point where he tires out a little bit. I don't know what number pitch that was. Uh, bottom seven, then he's facing Machado. And again, 84, but that one was at the knees, and now it's 2 nothing. So now you go to the ninth, and Kyle Farmer's in there, and there's two on, one out. And I think Melanson's on the mound, and it's 3-1 there. So he's got to get something over. And there was a high bouncer, and they, they take the out at first. And then here comes Stevenson. So Stevenson's got two outs, runner at third. Pitch hit? Yeah. Yes, 3-2 pitch. (laughs) And bam, right up the middle and the game is tied. And you're thinking, my goodness, the baseball gods and these Reds. Uh, And then Jonathan India comes up. 91, inner half, gone, 4-2. Game over, right? You're thinking, okay. Uh, But they've had troubles. They've had the pen is a a problem. Go to the bottom of the ninth, and there's one on, one out for Hosmer. I think Hendricks is in now. Yes. And... Uh, you're at 2-1, two, 2-1 one. Uh, two, one count. And he throws him off speed, throws him a curve, and takes him down the down the right way, and he's gone. Now we're tied. And here comes Garrett, and he's 0-2 to uh, Victor Caratini, 86 at the knees on an 0-2 pitch, and it's gone. Uh, it's amazing. That game was unbelievable last night. I really felt yeah. bad for the Reds there, but... Your belief in the – we had this question yesterday. Cleveland or Cincinnati, which team do you believe has a better chance of making the playoffs, I guess? I would have to say because of the division that that both teams are in. I mean, right now, you know, the Reds only three out uh, of the Cubs. I picked Milwaukee uh, to win the Central. Uh, I think they're a mm-hmm. game back right now. Uh, the Indians, because – here's the thing – Here's the White Sox with all these injuries, and their run differential is basically 100. They're yeah. plus 99. Uh, the Indians, uh, by benefit of, of getting Seattle, 
coming east and Baltimore has just been awful on the road, uh, they're able to, to go 6-1 and one in the homestand. Now, if you want to play a schedule game, we hate to do that in baseball because it's kind of hard to do, not like the NFL. But you look at a schedule game, you're going to get three against Pittsburgh. You've got two against Chicago, mm-hmm. weird off day there on Wednesday, and then you get the Twins who are basically packed up and, and ready to go. Now they just got to send out Nelly Cruz and, and Josh Donaldson before the deadline. So in theory, and I, I set my bias aside, mm-hmm. I think you have to look at the Reds as probably the better side to yeah. make the postseason because they've got more avenues and they have less teams to overcome. And that's not to say that, I mean, because the Indians are a game back of Houston for the final wild card spot, but I don't think they're catching the White Sox because the White Sox are only going to get healthier. And I realize the Indians are getting guys back too, but they're not the guys of, of the caliber yeah. that the White Sox are going to be getting back. Yeah, I think Jimenez has been started to uh, baseball activities. and Maybe Lewis Robert could come back, uh, but that wouldn't be towards the end of the year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Red, the Reds feel like I feel like I believe in more a little more in them in their magic right now. But you're it just feels like there's a lot going on there in that division. But boy, it's tough. It's tough because they are they are they were a little bit of a mini machine here lately. Mm-hmm. Um, your guy Eli Morgan last night, 25 year old, second start, took one off the elbow. Oh, God. wanted to stay in there. I think he did. He did. He three and two thirds. I, I, Ar, we were walking up from the on the pregame set, and I heard the crowd. I, we were not anywhere near a monitor at that point, so I had to stop and watch the replay. And of, of all the, as I said at the beginning of the show, we have no rotation. We have Aaron Savali, Beaver IL, Plesac IL, and the bottom of the rotation has just been an utter mess. So <laughs> we're already bullpenning pretty much four out of five games, and he takes second batter. I mean, Trey Mancini yeah. just unleashes. And it's off his throwing arm, too. So we're like, oh, God, here we go. Right, I know. What else can happen? But he stayed in. He only gave up two solo homers. He he looked pretty good. Um, And it wasn't pitching in a hurricane like like he did last time against Toronto for his debut. Hayes took him out. Franco took him out. But you're right. And, and, but uh, Chang, couple of big ones, uh, two run homer and 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 a couple RBIs on that single. You know what's kind of a neat stat? That I that I just uncovered. Um, how many straight wins do you think Cleveland has when Jose Ramirez goes yard? So that means in in games that he homers, mm-hmm. what do you think the win streak is? Is it over fifteen? Uh, CB, what do you guess? I'll go seventeen. He's going 17. All right, just give me a number, J. Lou. 15. Uh, the answer is 19. Wow. 19 okay. straight wins when J. Ram goes yard. Okay. Um, I have 17 they had with Lindor. Okay. And they had an 18-game win streak when Jan Gomes went yard. Wow. And then I'll you go you a- back to the earlier times like Al Rosen and Ernie Avril. They had like 16 and 16. I'll give you another good number since uh, your boy Bobby Bradley uh, playing down there has come Mm up. When Bobby Bradley gets one or more plate appearances, the Indians' offense is averaging eight runs a game. Wow. In seven games, he outproduced what Jake Bowers and Yu Chang did in the first two months of the season. You guys are 32-5 and when you score score four or more. We are. are, It's a six-inning game. 
you shock Karen Chat Classe, and you can even throw Nick Salen in there, the quartet of guys that have uh, – I, I think Salen has the lowest whip on the team, like .68, something like that. He's given up one hit in his last seven games and punched out 14. Um, they're doing it on every guy you, – you feel like you have 25 position players in Aaron Savali because all the relievers show up, and every day Carl Willis goes around to every locker and says, hey, how do you feel today? <laughs> Can you play today? <laughs> you know that's basically what it is. It's it's it is a phenomenon. They're off to their best start since my rookie year yeah. in 07. Their best 65 game start. It's remarkable. It's hard to believe. Well, in, in June you've been hammering it. Uh, Ramirez, both Ramirez has been hammering the baseball. Bobby Bradley, Bobby Bradley's hitting 393. Mm-hmm. Eddie and, Rosario, I think, is hitting over 300 for the month too, like 330. And the other Rosario, 373. Ahmed Rosario has the second highest average with runners in scoring position in the yeah. league. It's amazing. Or like 20 or something. Yeah, I'm looking at the averages now. J-Ram, 354 in June. Harold Ramirez, 324 in June. Bobby Bradley, 393. Ahmed Rosario, 373. <sighs> June hitters, those are your June hitters, 5.6 runs per game in June. That'll do it. Uh, hopefully, with, yeah. With this pitching yeah, staff. Yeah, yeah, with this pitching staff, you might need a few more on that. But mm-hmm. uh, it's nice. It's 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 kind of been fun. Last night would have been just ridiculous if the Reds won. I know with the oh. pods going home and having that crowd was just – that walk-off was absolutely ridiculous for them yep. to experience. But that was the first time I really watched a baseball game last night and thought – Wow, like what pandemic? Like that yeah, was baseball. Normal. That was yeah. sports. That uh-huh. was unbelievable. Didn't go the Reds' way, but just being able to watch that game and experience that game was unbelievable. We'll come back with a NFL two-minute drill. Justin Fields at the podium at Bears camp. What does he have to say about everything that's been tossed around about the wait-and-see game with him? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. All Buckeyes. All Buckeyes. All the time. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. Your flagship home for Ohio State Athletics. The Fan. Ohio's sports destination. It's time for the NFL two-minute drill. Sponsored by Dr. Mark Levy. Stop snoring and start sleeping now. Visit sleepbettercolumbus.com today. All right, when Justin Fields got past a few teams in the draft and the Bears made their move to go up and get him, it was uh, pretty wild times. Electric. Yeah, I mean, that, that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy got a swing at this thing after they foul-tipped on Mitchell Trubisky. So they're going to get a do-over here. Now, Nagy was the OC in Kansas City in 2017. That was the year they drafted Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes sat behind... Alex Smith, who was the incumbent starter, that was all of his rookie year, basically. I think they put him in for one game at the end of the year. He didn't see the, the field till then. And then they finally decided to go ahead. It's Chiefs Kingdom, and it's your your job. And we know what happened. Fields, from everything I've seen and read, and I know it's only minicamp, he's been great. He's lived up to whatever they're like. He's been sharp. And they've been all raving about him. And they've been not only raving about his ability, they've been raving about how he's acting, what he's saying. And here's the coach saying, hey, we're going to be patient with him. Prize possession. We're going to be patient. We have the luxury to be patient. Well, that's pretty amazing that they do. And who knows? If Aaron Rodgers gets (laughs) traded and he's out of the division, maybe Matt Nagy rethinks this patience thing. Maybe thinks, you know what? Division's really gettable. We're going to go get it. But here's Justin Fields. Uh, First of all, on having Andy Dalton be named the starter already. I feel like if you can control what you can control and uh, come to work every day with a positive attitude, 
and uh, a want to get better, uh, then, you know, there's no stopping you. Um, I think when, you know, that time comes, when I do get my opportunity, I, I just have to be ready for that moment. It's the right thing to say, J. Lou. Right. It's a not. I mean, it's... He's done everything right, okay? And uh, it's the, the noise is only going to get louder uh, if those first two weeks, Andy Dalton is not, like, perfect. Yeah. If they're going to find... The fans are going to find some way to... Again, if he, he could go 25 of, of 30, 330 yards, three touchdowns, and if they lose, they're, they're going to put it on him. It's almost no win for Andy Dalton because of who's behind him. The other thing I'd like to mention, and I don't think, I don't know, I'm going to try to get the, I think Kansas City was very good that year. They had no reason to pull Alex Smith. Right. Right? They lose right to the Titans. They lose to the Titans in a while. I'm going to go back in and see because that to me is the difference between the Bears situation and KC's that year. Right. Yeah, KC, of course. They were, well, let me see. They had lost some games in a row. Uh, they were they were an eleven and five team, but I'm going to see if he got in in that week seventeen. Did they lose? the I wild think that's card when game? he got his debut is that week seventeen game. What year am I? Should I be looking at seventeen, fifteen? What? Leave us seven, seasons seventeen. Ago? Yeah, it sounds. I think seventeen is probably the year I need to be looking up. And yeah, they were yes, they were ten and six, but they started out five and zero. Oh. So there was no reason to pull Alex Smith. He was playing great. Now, they lost a couple there, Pittsburgh-Oakland. Then they won. They went into their bye week at 6-3. and Now, here's where they could have pulled him. They lost in overtime in an ugly game to the Giants, 12-9. Then they lost 16-10 to Buffalo. They scored 19 points in two games. How come they didn't pull him then? And then Alex played again. He had a good game and a loss to the Jets. J. Lou, they lost three games in a row coming out of their bye week, and they didn't make the move to Mahomes. Oof. Wow. Because Smith threw for 366 in the loss. Mm-hmm. And then Mahomes got in in week 17 against Denver, and they won the game. And Mahomes was 22 of 35, 284, and a pick, no touchdowns. The, the quarterback on the opposing team was Paxton Lynch. Oh, my God. Denver. 21 of 31, 254, two touchdowns, two picks. So the point of that whole exercise was to say that Kansas City didn't feel like they had to pull ripcord on Alex Smith, where mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with the Bears. Now, here he is on which soundbite is this one? This is about the last few weeks he's been learning under Foles in both Dalton. These last few weeks have been, you know, a big help for me just to, uh, you know, get around the veteran guys, learn from them, learn from guys like Andy, uh, guys like Nick. They've, they've taught me a lot. And, um, you know, just, just getting around my, my, my teammates and uh, getting reps in with them. And I think, you know, the, the, the more reps that I get, the more reps, you know, in, in practice that I have, I, I think the more I'll grow. So, um, you know, these these last few weeks have, have been great and I've definitely learned a lot. And I think I've definitely uh, progressed each, each and every day. Awesome. Uh, saying all the right things, and we'll watch his story unfold. It'll be fun to, to watch. That is today's NFL two-minute drill. J. Lou, an absolute pleasure. Want to say a happy Father's pre-Father's Day to all the dads out there. Enjoy your weekend, whether you're watching the U.S. Open or just sitting back and, and doing whatever you want. Uh, I told you my president, my dad, will be trying to jump his 18-year-old car. I'll, tell you, I'll <laughs> let you know whether I'm successful. Um, Mission accomplished, yeah. yes.
Great spending the last few hours with you, big dog. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Likewise. That is Jensen Lewis. I'm Anthony Rothman for CB. We thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. Rothman and Ice on the fan. <laughs> 